Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and NABC Studios. Hope you are enjoying the programming this year. We are in our first full week, as it were, here in basketball land of uh, 2016 side of uh, basketball play. Obviously into conference action for the most part uh, with everybody. Uh, hope you're enjoying the first week. It has certainly been crazy, as the rest of the season has been. Of course, the first week of January also is the first week that Hoopsville is up and running in its entirety, as it were. We've been doing Sunday and Thursday shows for the first time all year round, but because of holiday breaks and other commitments, we haven't been able to get into the stride of Sundays and Thursdays every week. That now starts. We are well into it now in the first week, and we will go this way the rest of the season, except for some technicalities. One of those technicalities happens to be tonight. This show, Thursdays, is not live. If you have clicked on the show, you might have noticed that already, unless you just weren't paying attention, and I can understand if you weren't. But this show has all been pre-produced. Reason being, I have a very rare obligation uh, at my 20-year job of public address announcing my alma mater, Goucher Basketball. Uh, Landmark Conference has a rare three set of games this uh, week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, for many reasons, all of them based on academics. Um, and as a result, I actually have to be at my alma mater to announce a game. And of course, it's against Catholic, who is our rival and hasn't been a rival for a while. That's a story for another time. But nonetheless, I am busy with that game. So we put this show together um so in a non-live, but make it feel like it's live tradition in the business, we call it live to tape. Um, anyway, this show is not live, and neither will be next Thursdays, as we will be heading off to the NCAA convention for the second year in a row. Um, as a result, we got to put something together, and we hope to put something nice together for next week. <laughs> Obviously, details to come. Um, but as we're out there at the NCAA convention, by the way, we will be catching some Division Three basketball, um, mainly in part... Uh, the SCAC, I know Trinity is in town in San Antonio, so that's an easy one to hit. We'll see what else we get to when we're out there. Uh, we haven't really booked our schedule yet. We are booking. We also have some responsibilities in our work life and D3 sports life at the NCAA convention that we need to attend to as well. But we hope to catch her, capture a few games, maybe not repeat Trinity on two different nights. But if I have no other choice, that will be the decision. Uh, we'll be back here, though, Sunday evening for a live show. It will be certainly Texas-heavy, as we'll have a number of interviews from out there in Texas, both basketball and maybe NCAA-related. Um, we'll also have some just NCAA interviews to do, um, which we will post in another manner of speak. But um, it'll be a little bit heavy and a little bit pre-taped, but we'll also try and have some live elements uh, a, you know, a week and a half from now. Of course, this Sunday coming up, 7 o'clock Eastern time, will be live uh, that's the uh, we're looking forward to that uh, as we always do, and we hope you are as well. You can always interact with us via Twitter at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Let's take a look at who our guests are tonight. The show's been put together as late into the week as we possibly could so that we wouldn't interfere necessarily with anything that may have happened so the show doesn't feel too dated. For most, if not all, of our guests, they have, have not or will not play by the time this interview has taken place by the, from when we did interview them. One of them will probably be taking place simultaneously or have just gotten off the court. Um, and as a result, a lot of what we're talking about now is as live as we can be uh, for a Thursday, as late into the Thursday as we could to turn this around for all of you. So if we have missed some storylines, we apologize. We'll catch up with them on Sunday. But our guests... Uh, we will uh, start with Muhlenberg women's basketball. The 10th ranked Mules, coached by Ron Roan, will join us, talk about 
a 26-day layoff. Yeah, you heard me right. 26 days between games. Talk to Coach Roan about the challenges of that. Also talk to him about the challenges of the Centennial Conference. There are some things that are completely on their head. Some teams at the top expected. Some teams at the top are not there. Some teams who weren't supposed to be at the top are there. It's a little bit wacky in the Centennial women's race already. We'll talk to him about that breakdown. as Along with a a Kyle, uh, another team in the Centennial who's not playing conference games. We'll talk to him about the dynamics of that and a and a very fashion-savvy alum of his program. Then we'll head out west to what is apparently a rainy California. I know you, you probably have to be there to believe it, but it is raining in California, but that doesn't uh, lessen the spirits of Cal Lou's women's basketball program and their head coach, Lindsey Goldblatt. We'll talk to her about the great start for Cal Lou. And the race atop the Skyac, um, of course, that race may be a two-horse race in this case, um, but Calou having a great season. We'll talk about the big wins against Northwest Conference teams and a big nearly win against the Northwest Conference as well to start the season. Also talk about playing out, that, out on that island in California. Then we'll head back east to Buffalo, and we'll head to Buffalo State, switch sides to men's basketball, talk to uh, Fajri Ansari, the head coach of the um, Bengals, about their great start and another conference race that is completely chaotic, and that is the Suniac race. I think I expected this to be about a two- to three-horse race. You could argue it's five or six right now. It could be that way the rest of the season. Some would say maybe in the middle there at four. Uh, But Buffalo State has made its presence known with some big wins early this season, playing very good basketball. We'll talk to Coach Ansari about his squad and how he sees things shaping up um, the rest of the way, including the craziness that is Suniac travel, which they will experience, um, unfortunately and luckily, this weekend. You'll understand why. He'll even share a story as to the craziest trip they ever had returning from a Suniac school. Then we'll head back west out of Ohio. And Hiram's Chris Kibler will join us on the show. Hiram, another team that wasn't supposed to be in the conversation. They weren't picked to do very well in the conference. They're leading the conference with a win over Ohio Wesleyan. Of course, we're talking about the NCAC. We'll talk to uh, Coach about his conference, about his team, about their start, what the expectations are, and why this team could be a little scary due to its youth. By the way, all four teams are scary due to their youth, kind of the youth movement, as it were, tonight here on Hoopsville. So that's all ahead of us, um, but we're not going to forget some of the bigger stuff, like Augustana versus Elmhurst. Oh, yeah. Did you see that game on Wednesday in men's basketball? Number one at number five, and it was on par with uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, the other night in Division One land. Terrific overtime game against two heavyweights. Elmer certainly showed up to play at their home arena against the number one team. If you read my top 25 blog, which I admit came out a little late, it came out on Wednesday evening. Uh, We finally got it posted at the beginning of that game, interestingly, timing-wise. Not very dressed up. That was half the problem with getting it out. We normally dress it up a little bit more. Anyway, in that blog, I said I did not think Augustana could get through the conference play unscathed. This certainly was one of those games I thought would trip them up, though I had a feeling they could maybe get past this one and maybe Elmers would surprise them at home. Kind of a trade-off of uh, road victories for those two teams. Augustana loses this one instead, but listen... I didn't think Augustana was going to get through it nonetheless, but it was terrific. And it came down really to a final shot in regulation that forced overtime by not being made, but B 
being made. Well, watch this. Pat Coleman was there, and he had a courtside seat to the final play. As you can see, oh, so close. Uh, referees did a tremendous job, despite the mobbing of the court, uh, to gather themselves, talk it over. They clearly uh, at least had reservations of whether the shot should count in the first place. It was really tough to see in live action, though my wife, who was watching the game with me, turned to me immediately and said, I don't think that counted. Um, they even went to a video re review. Um, Elmer's wisely had at least the ability to rewind their live stream at a monitor directly at courtside. Um, and it didn't take long for the refs to, to call off the shot. Went into overtime. And listen, this was a back-and-forth game that was tremendous because Augustana would take a lead, then Elmer's would come back. Elmer's would get a big lead, especially in the second half, and Augustana would come back. Augustana got a nice, sizable lead in overtime, and Elmer's came back and took the lead. Augustana... I will admit, didn't look great on that final possession trying to tie or take the lead. It almost looked like no one wanted to take the final shot, which was a little surprising. I think they had some opportunities. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Pat had it. I'm not going to show it, but they had a chance with 0.6 seconds to throw it down the length of the court. It hit the rafters, believe it or not, a little too high. And it's not like Elmer's' ceiling is that low, but a little too high. Uh, on the pass down court for Augustana. Though I was watching the video, I think Elmer's player actually got his hand on it, which wouldn't have mattered. It would it, it just would have ended the game sooner instead of Elmer's throwing the ball in to end the game instead. Uh, but after a, a tremendous game, and congratulations to Elmer's on the big victory. Uh, afterward, Pat caught up with a few people, uh, and he started with Kyle Wurst, the senior guard uh, for uh, for Elmer. Here from Fagano Hall at Elmhurst College in Elmhurst, Illinois, the uh, end of the uh, battle between number one Augustana and number five Elmhurst, and it was won by Elmhurst, which defeated the Vikings by the score of 77 to 75. And I'm joined by Kyle Weiss, who scored 26 points for the Blue Jays uh, in a in a game that went to uh, a, a crazy overtime, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. But you had a, a stretch uh, in the um, about the middle of to the end of the first half where you were uh, very dominant. Things were falling for you. I think you had 16 points at the half. How did things look for you in the first half? Uh, I just felt really comfortable, and you know, my team and my coaches always do a great job of, you know, telling me to be aggressive. You know, I, I'm conscious of being, you know, selfish, but they uh, they tell me that I'm never being selfish. They always encourage me to, you know, to be aggressive, and that it is best for the team. So, you know, I just thank those guys, and you know, they clean up a lot of my misses, and uh, you know, really bail me out a lot of the time. So, all the credit to them. You know, I just. Happened to be hitting tonight, but it could have been any one of us. There was a stretch in the second half where uh, you guys were uh, up five or so, and then Hunter Hill scores about eight consecutive points by himself. Uh, life seemed to come out of the building a little bit. You guys were struggling to find shots. How did uh, how'd you guys turn that around? Uh, the biggest thing for us, we just had to calm down a little bit and deal with the full court pressure. I, I don't know how many turnovers we had tonight, but I know that the, the press got to us. 21. 21, yeah. So the biggest thing for us was just slowing down, and you know, getting some ball reversals. We were just, you know, bringing it right up the floor and attacking right away, and didn't really have anybody in rebounding position or anything like that. So once we, you know, settled down, swung the ball, and you know, got to the line a little bit, things opened up for us quite a bit. 
end of regulation. Uh, we we looked at they actually the officials came over and reviewed it on the uh, live stream, which I'm not exactly sure is part of the rule book, but whatever. Uh, I went back and did a still frame out of it. And it looked like that call was correct that, that when they overturned it. But what was it? Uh, what was it like for you guys? Uh, what did you think on the floor? Uh, well, really, I was just upset that I missed the easy tip, and uh, I don't know how that you know kind of fell out, but. You know, Will was there, and he, we thought, we thought that he, uh, you know, made it at the buzzer. But you know, when we came over to the bench, we all just had the mindset that we needed to be ready for this game to be extended, because you never know what can happen. And when you leave it up to the refs, you know, you, like I said, you never really know. So we we were ready for the uh, the extended period. Yeah, because it's really easy for uh, for someone to lose focus when right. something a call doesn't go your way right there. Right. We just, you know, sat down. And already started coming up with a plan. We weren't, you know, living in the moment too much. We were just figuring out what the next step was. All right. So you guys face this kind of stuff uh, practically week in and week out, right, in the CCIW, uh, and you played a pretty good uh, non-conference schedule. Uh, but you know, you know, this coming into your senior year, obviously some expectations heaped on you guys uh, back in October and November. How do you feel you guys have dealt with it so far? Um, you know, I think. You never want to say a loss is good, but that loss to Benedictine early in the year really kind of helped us to refocus and really get back to our roots. You know, we are at our best when we are just playing really hard, defending really well, and rebounding really well. And we got away from that for a little bit, but, you know, we really refocused after that game. And, you know, we know that we are one of the better teams in the country, and we want to show it every night. We have an experienced group, and... You know, really the sky's the limit, but we have to stay grounded and we really have to do the things that got us here in the first place. Uh, I know, super early going, obviously you guys have 12 conference games left and then the conference tournament, so you know, knowing that you guys have this big win in, under your belt so far, you got to realize that there's a long way to go. Right. Well, and the worst thing that could happen is, you know, you come off a game like this and then you have a letdown to, you know, I'm, I'm but in no means trying to say that Milliken's not a good team. But we go to, down to Milliken on uh, Saturday for our first conference away game. And, you know, we need to just stay focused, bring the same intensity. And, you know, if we keep that mindset every single game, we should be okay. Kyle Wiest, uh, all he did was go 7 of 15 from the floor, 4 for 5 from downtown, 8 for 8 from the line, en route to 26 points as his team defeats Augustana 77 to 75. Back to Hoopsville. Thanks, Pat. Uh, many people know that uh, if you're on the D3 boards, I've been chatting it up as to who number one or, or who should be better, Benedictine or, or Elmhurst, on the uh, top 25 blog. Uh, you can have many arguments. I have had Elmhurst ahead of Benedictine despite Benedictine's win over Elmhurst and being undefeated. This certainly makes it harder. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But you got to give your hats off to John Baines, who's assistant coach at Elmhurst for 10 years, now in his third season. Elmer's kind of showed up to the party a year early yes, last year. Everyone was kind of thinking this would be a special year, but last year ended up being pretty special. They are continuing that on. And after the game, Pat Coleman caught up with John Baines as well. Pat Coleman back here at Elmhurst, joined by John Baines, the third-year head coach of Elmhurst. His Blue Jays defeated top-ranked Augustana 77-75 tonight in overtime. So, um, you know, Coach, that's it. You guys can just mail in the rest of the season, right? You've, uh, you've achieved everything that needs to be achieved, right? No, no, that was... That was a high-level game today. I think we had two two really, really good teams today, and we're really close. We knew we would be, and uh, we had two close games last year. So, I, you know, the, our games with them are always going to be like this, I think. How do you keep the team focused knowing that you, you now have 86% uh, of the conference schedule still in front of you or so? 
you know that I, uh, hopefully our, we got a senior nine seniors on this group and they they've been through this before they know that uh, sometimes it's not a game like this it's that one that you go on the road that you're supposed to win and uh, or so you know supposed to win as you say right. um, but I think our guys will stay focused they're a mature group uh, tell us a little bit about you know just the grind in the CCIW because you, you have this game practically out of the gate right game two out of 14 you have everybody left on your conference schedule most of them twice you know that that's the best thing about our league I really do believe if you can be good in our league you know you're going to be one of the better teams in the nation and I think that that's the fun part of part of it you know you don't have to think about whether what the gauge is the gauge is our league and if you can be good and I think we I think we're where we need to be um, if we can make it through the test here I think we'll be, we'll be good enough to go as far as we need to go uh, you guys had some pretty high expectations heaped on you at the beginning of the season and I'm sure you had some pretty high expectations for yourself um, you know come out of the gate early Early on in the season, Benedictine gets you guys. How did that, uh, you know, how did that feel? How'd that come about? Benedictine's a good team. You know, we didn't play real well that day, but but Bunks had his guys playing great, and and they're a good team. So, I think our one loss was a quality loss. I think this was a real, obviously a really quality win. I felt like our game versus Wesleyan tonight was a quality win. Um, can't worry about all that stuff. You just got to play the next one and, and win. Yeah, I mean, for, for you guys, uh, you mentioned that uh, just knowing that if you're a quality team in this conference that you're going to be a quality team nationally. You know, probably in any given year now, the way the tournament's going, probably three teams from this uh, league are, are going to go to the tournament, or at least should go to the NCAA tournament. Um, but, you know, how do you, uh, I guess, first of all, how do you kind of prepare over the long haul and then also that uh, conference tournament tacked on at the end? You know, it's... Uh you know, I think in our league, I'm really happy that lately we've been getting three teams in. You know, and I've like last year, North Central was a fourth team, and they could have easily been in the tournament and been good. I said, I'm, I'm really happy now that we're starting to see that we're getting our second, our third, and and people are talking about our fourth team. Now with the Wisconsin League in our in our region, um, this is a stacked region. I mean, it, the best teams in the nation are playing here, and I think we all need to get in. To be honest with you. Um, Kyle Weiss, fantastic night tonight. Actually, you guys, uh, he shot 8 for 8 from the foul line, but you guys were 21 of 28 from the foul line. Tell us a little bit about Kyle and some of the rest of your guys. Kyle is, is uh, he is an unbelievable scorer because he finds a lot of ways. He can shoot the three, gets to the line, he can offensive board. You know, his game's really changed, and, and the best part about him, he's an unselfish guy. He's led us in assists the last couple years. He's a guy that we could we could really feed him a lot more, and he could score 20-some, but we've got talented players, and he's taking a step back and scoring 17, scoring 17 or 18 and leading us. So um, he, he's a... Uh, He's a preseason All-American, and rightfully so. I talked with Weiss. I talked with Pat Coleman. I had to talk to Pat Coleman. Um, but both of them talked about uh, the, the, the break between regulation and overtime, right? Uh, you had a call that didn't go your way. Um, and there was an, that's always an opportunity for uh, kids to get inside their head and for there to be mental sure. breakdowns. But you guys came out, scored first in overtime, and almost didn't look back. Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I, we got a mature group. I, I, I think a lot of groups would have... But that would have been, if, we, if that call doesn't go our way, we're done. And um, I'm really happy with our guys. They're, you know, every coach says it, but our guys really are resilient. We, we had that triple over time game versus St. Norbert, and we kept fighting back. And that's just kind of the character of this group. And, and uh, so I just said, hang in there. We've been here before. So third year as a head coach, you've had a lot of these guys, obviously, all three years, and I know you were an assistant before that. Um, what's it like to have you know, so much consistency, I guess, on the roster over the course of kind of getting your head coaching career started? Sure. 
You know, this group's grown, and that's really unusual. Sometimes there's a lot of moving parts with a, with a program. This group really has had a chance to get to know me, and I've got to get to know them. And now we, I think we work, and our coaching staff, we work unbelievably together. Our coaching staff stayed together for three years. Um, we're just really comfortable, and the guys give me suggestions, and when they know when I'm on them, uh, in certain times, they know where I'm coming from. It's just a level of comfort that I think makes it fun to play with us. Well, we came into the week talking about Augustana's as eight seniors, and uh, we get to the middle of the week talking about the nine seniors from Elmhurst as uh, they help the Blue Jays defeat top-ranked Augustana 77-75 in overtime. Thanks again, Pat. Appreciate it. Nice to have Pat go out there, get some interviews for us, and send them back. A little nice twist that we don't normally get here on Hoopsville unless I've done it myself, and that seems a little weird, doesn't it? Uh, me tossing to myself. I've done it. Anyway, I digress. Uh, back to my thoughts about the uh, about Elmer's Benedictine and now kind of Augustana. You know, there's been conversations on some of the boards about the fact that, you know, and I, I freely put my, my ballot out there, as everybody knows. I will go on the boards and say, here's what I did. Here's what my thinking is. And people like to bash that occasionally. I'm fine with the bashing. I'm fine with it. I actually will listen to a lot of, of comments and see if maybe I'm missing something. I have just felt that Elmhurst, I have always thought coming into the season, was a much better team. Benedictine wasn't really on my radar. I had a good year last year, didn't make the NCAA tournament, but they're not in a conference that we really think is a national power, or at least the top team doesn't tend to get into the national conversation, especially in the NCAA tournament, but they are clearly on a roll. They have gone 5-0 and in their non-conference play, all against CCIW. They are still, as I am speaking, undefeated in their conference and could easily go undefeated the rest of the season. I don't think it will happen, but it could happen. Um, and so a head-to-head 20-point victory against Elmers, many people would say, well, put them ahead of Elmers. I get that. But I'm not uh, a, a, of the opinion that you go head-to-heads uh, trump all or, or kind of trump all. Uh, I believe that head-to-heads give me a lot of information, and if I need to, they will be my deciding factor, and I've used that a few times this year, especially teams that are in the top 25, but not all the time. Uh, One game doesn't necessarily make a season, as we all know. Um, It can certainly help get into the NCAA tournament, but it it isn't the only part of the criteria either. So it's not really necessarily my be-all or end-all when it comes to voting. Another part of that is, let's extrapolate out, shall we? If Benedictine beat Elmhurst and Elmhurst has beaten Augustana, then in theory you're telling me Benedictine is better than both Elmhurst and Augustana. And in that theory, since my number one vote, which is to Augustana, as is everybody else's number one vote in Division Three land, is to Augustana, you're telling me that arguably, ignoring Whitworth, Hope, and some other schools that... It, We'll muddy this conversation a little bit, but let's just base it on those three teams. Then Benedictine should be thus the higher-ranked team of those three and, for argument's sake, the number one team in the country or at least get my number one vote. I can't buy into that. Listen, Benedictine's a really good team this year, and they've proven that. Uh, I've gotten to watch them on video a little bit, and they certainly are good. Not overrated in any means. But three of their CCIW wins aren't exactly ones that you, that that are as good as they seem on paper. Um, the win over Carthage is nice. The win over Wheaton is certainly good. Though Wheaton, while they can rise to play an opponent, is not exactly having the best, best of seasons. They are inconsistent, to say the least. Illinois Wesleyan is below average by their standards. 
back to my Calvin speak in the last few weeks as well. But Calvin, yeah, everyone's saying not a good team. Yeah, by Calvin standards, people. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan is at 500 roughly. That is not up to snuff for what they usually hold themselves to. Doesn't mean they're not still a good team. But if you take that down and say, okay, Illinois Wesleyan's not as good as they normally are. Wheaton is inconsistent. And Carthage is Carthage right now. Uh, that's three wins. And then you have a North Central win that I'm now buying into. North Central didn't exactly start the season on fire in any way, shape, or form. But they have certainly come along since then. And so that win for Benedictine over North Central, I think, is starting starting to look pretty good. Uh, North Central, by the way, started the season 2-3. and three, uh, One and two, then two and three. And now have been on a, a pretty nice streak of winning seven of their last eight. So North Central is looking better. By the way, seven of that last eight, that loss is to Benedictine. So that's looking better. And obviously the win over Elmer's is solid. But I can't tell you on good faith that I think Augustana is not as good as Benedictine, that Benedictine is the better team over Augustana. And despite the win, I cannot say that Benedictine is actually better than Elmer's. I get it's a 20-point victory. I completely understand that it's a 20-point victory. But that's in the vacuum of that one game. If we were to say, let's play 10 games out, do you really think Elmers is going to lose to Benedictine every single time by 20 points? I think Elmers wins that game a majority of the time. Seven, maybe eight out of the 10 times, that's an Elmers win. And if that's how I feel, watching these two teams the best I can on live video and and web streams, then how can I vote them despite a head-to-head ahead of them? I understand the arguments the other side. And you can hate me for this opinion all you want. That's fine. Again, I'm one of 25 voters. But I've also talked to some people who know these programs better than I do. And they're, voters, by the way, they're not voting Benedictine ahead of Elmhurst either. Or at least one of them that I know of isn't. So I can't right now say, okay, Benedictine's better than Elmer's, which should make him better than Augustana as well, which means I should consider Benedictine from a number one. I get they're undefeated, but I don't have confidence that Benedictine's the best team in the country. I will tease you with this. As I speak, I'm not thinking, I am actually thinking about not removing my number one vote from Augustana. I'll give you pause there to think about that. I may still vote Augustana number one next week. There's more basketball to be played, and so we can see some more results that are going to help with this decision. But I've seen Augustana in person in the last 12 months, obviously at the Final Four, and I've watched quite a bit of video of them this year. I have seen Whitworth a couple weeks ago in person. I think Whitworth's a darn good team. I think Augustana's better. Despite a loss, I think Augustana's better. Whitworth's my number two and undefeated. I think Augustana's still better than Hope. Hope hasn't been struggling recently, but Hope is, is you know, I don't think can beat Augustana right now. Um, and my other teams are St. Thomas and and um, and uh, Amherst and some others, and Elmhurst, obviously. I, I saw St. Thomas at the beginning of the year. Granted, beginning of the year, but I saw St. Thomas at the beginning of the year. I still think Whitworth's better than St. Thomas, and if I think Augustana's better than Whitworth, you see where I'm going here. Again, I have until Monday at 5 o'clock Eastern time to make up my mind on this. But right now, just because they lost to Elmhurst, I'm not necessarily leaning away or leaning towards uh, voting anybody else but Augustana number one, and if you and, and just think of it this way, I guarantee you I'm not the only voter who's going to consider this. We will see what happens. It's going to be very interesting Monday, top twenty-five, and we're only halfway through the week. By the way, one more tease: Pat Coleman's not done. He actually got another inter- interview with himself, or or another Pat Coleman. 
It's a little confusing, but there's a Pat Coleman who interviewed a Pat Coleman. That's all I can tell you right now. You might know if you're on the inside, but if you're not, you're going to have to wait to the end of the show because that's where we're going to feature that interview. By the way, at the beginning of the show, you may have heard something rather interesting out of my mouth. I said, welcome to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We've been teasing this for a little while. I want to formally thank WBCA for coming on board Hoopsville. The WBCA, just like the NABC, is a wonderful organization that supports its coaches. And for years, we've been trying to get a hold of the WBCA and say, hey, do you want to come on and support us? The NABC does amazing work for us, both financially a little bit. They help, to be honest with you, the NABC is responsible for what was the very first version of the studio you are looking at if you're watching this online. Um, And they've helped throughout the years. You know we have a great relationship with them, especially at the Final Four in Salem. We've tried to do the same thing with the WBCA. Just didn't work out the last few years. This year, all different folks, WBCA coming on board to join us here on Hoopsville. So you will now hear a little bit different. Instead of what has been presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, you will now hear presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. You will see some WBCA uh, paraphernalia, possibly. You'll also hear, uh, see some more uh, mentions of them throughout the show. And we are going to finally get off the ground the NABC Coaches Corner starting next Thursday. But this Sunday, we will debut the WBCA Center Court. Very much like the Coaches Corner for the NABC, it will feature a coach of a program who is doing either great work in their community or is doing extra work somewhere uh, in the system, as it were, or is just one of those great coaches you want to talk to. Uh, We will get that chance to feature uh, coming up this uh, Sunday. You're going to have to wait to find out who our first center court nominee will be uh, to join us here on Hoopsville. Looking forward to doing that and and developing this relationship with the WBCA. There are a number of people out there to thank, um, and and I, I would probably be... I'd probably be a little dumb if I go and thank them directly, uh, but there's a few in mind specifically. I've, I've actually talked to a number of coaches over the years on the women's side about this, and I will forget your names, but but it was a conversation with Melissa Hodgson at, at Wheaton of Massachusetts over the summer that really got this ball rolling, uh, whether people realize that or not. It then was another conversation with Pat Manning at Williams, that really kind of tipped the rock over the cliff, as it were, um, and really got things rolling from there. And then at the end, it was, uh, or in the end, it was Jack Watford, Director of Communications at the at the WBCA themselves. He and I have had many a conversation over the last few months, uh, proposals back and forth, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that finally was the tipping point. And I want to thank those three individuals in, in general Uh, amongst many other women's coaches or those involved with the women's game over the last few years where I've had conversations to finally get this partnership. I am so happy to now have both coaches associations tied in and partnered with Hoopsville. We certainly like to shine the light on coaches and student athletes, and this is a great way to expand our our programming in some capacity um, and in other ways. Now, granted, we can't get to both Holland and Salem, and that's understandable. But how about a perfect year to have the WBCA come on board? The year that we um, are headed to Indianapolis for the women's championship at the same side as Division One. Tentative plans, Gordon Mann and, I'm, and myself will be there. Things could change, but that is our hope. We don't know what we will be doing there. Kind of like Atlanta. We really didn't know what we were going to do in Atlanta until uh, kind of the weeks leading up. But we'll figure it out. But thank you, WBCA, for coming on board. We greatly appreciate it. We will learn more about this partnership 
as the weeks move on. A couple quick uh, notes I want to remind you, coming up January 28th, Thursday, will be the Hoopsville Marathon Show. Yes, the Hoopsville Marathon Show is coming. Um, You'll want to tune in for that. We hope you'll enjoy the programming that day. That will be in conjunction with our fundraising efforts. I know some people have been asking about that. We are into January. I've usually launched it by now or about to launch it. We are about to launch the W, uh, the, uh, the, the Hoopsville fundraising efforts. Uh, we may even throw a couple extra tidbits in there, um, some challenges, as it were, um, for people out there, and we look forward to seeing how that turns out. I've had a number of coaches say to me, we like doing this. Please continue. Uh, the first year was a major number. The second year was half that. We're going to find a nice happy medium in between that. It allows us to travel. It allows us to get more equipment. It allows us to shine a brighter light on Division Three. And we hope, we hope that if you can, you will partner with that. Stay tuned for that information coming up. With that and a very long first block, <laughs> we got to get going. Uh, Ron Roan from Muhlenberg, Lindsey Goldblatt from Kalu, um, Farjri Ansari from Buffalo State, and Chris Kibler from Hiram, all on deck, getting ready to join us here on Hoopsville. And first up will be Ron Roan from Muhlenberg. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. We'll have more Hoopsville right after this. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the show. It's obviously not a live show tonight, as I have other responsibilities, so this is all pre-taped. If you happen to be following along right at 7 o'clock, let's just imagine it's about 7.20, and we're getting ready for our next interview. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, this is Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, out of the NABC, WBCA. Studios want to thank those two corp, uh, coaches, corporate uh, groups for uh, supporting Hoopsville in, in the, any way that they do. Let's talk women's basketball, shall we? Uh, there's lots to talk about in women's basketball. A lot of shakeup in the top 25 this past week. Lots of teams moving up and down, but certainly some teams coming in. But there's some teams that some people may not totally get, mainly because they haven't played. There's one team that jumped out at me, and it's definitely this one. It's the Muhlenberg Mules. 
Imagine taking a break for the holidays and you're still not back yet. Apparently for the mules, they decided 26 days in the middle of the season was a perfect time for a vacation. Uh, and they took the time off, but they're still 8-0. They're now number 10 in the country, and I'm kind of curious how they're going to do in a game that is actually taking place once this show publishes. But again, we're taping anything, everything anyway. So I go to the Skype, one of my favorite things, and we bring in our favorite man on Skype because he seems comfortable with it. It's Ron Roan from Muhlenberg. Coach, welcome back to Hoopsville, sir. Uh, thank you, David. Appreciate you. By the way, beautiful setup there in the backdrop. With uh, yeah, uh, they, they give me a nice office, you know. Yeah, and Steve Ulrich will appreciate the banner right off the corner. Oh, there you go. I didn't think that. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a nice letter. There you go. Hey, listen, ain't no three and zero in the conference. That's terrific. But you haven't played since December twelfth. Who came up with this schedule? Uh, that's me. Uh, you know, well, I mean, for us, truthfully, we usually take off, uh, try to get a game right after exams. Sure. Uh, 19th or 20th. There wasn't a good game for us to have there. I really don't like bringing the kids back over the Christmas holiday. I like to have them a break. Uh, and actually, instead of playing a game January 2nd, January 3rd, I think the extra practice we get in there is more beneficial for us. So all those things came into play. Uh, the other thing that came into play was that we're such a very young team this year. One senior, two juniors. Uh, like, I don't know how many, like five, six sophomores, five, six freshmen. Uh, so we sort of backloaded our season somewhat in the hope that our experience would develop as the season went on. Uh, obviously a young team with high expectations. I think you've pretty much been in the polls the whole time. Uh, you do have a young team. We'll talk a little bit more about that and the fact there's only one senior. Um, but you also, you, you came out of the, the gates with an interesting schedule. Um, I think for some people, they would look at this and go, hey, those are some good teams, at least maybe in the past. I think you guys kind of have a mix, hit or miss this year. Uh, you got to win over Moravian to start. You beat Hood, Cortland State, Franklin and Marshall, obviously in conference play, and Haverford, Gettysburg as well. Gettysburg, obviously a team that's in transition, but always at the top of the conference. Then you had to play Bryn Mawr in that conference, non-conference game. Uh, DeSales uh, was the last one out of the gate, and you got that out-of-conference game in there. How do you think those eight games went? It's hard for me to look at this considering how much of that landscape is constantly changing and get a grip. How do you think you guys did? Well, you know, the Moravian game was a nice win for us. Moravian to sales, two local teams, 15 minutes from our campus. It's almost like playing a conference game that yeah. teams know each other so well. Uh, but Moravian... Uh, I thought it was a really nice win for us. And then after we had beat them, they went something like nine or ten straight wins. Yeah. Wins over Montclair and some other quality teams. So that win really got better and better uh, as the season goes on. Remind me to send a uh, thank you email to Mary Beth Spur. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then uh, the Gettysburg uh, team is doing very well right now. Yeah. I think they're about seven and two. Uh, so we've got a few wins. Cortland State, who I think uh, everybody expected, including us, to be really a top-notch team. Yeah. I think lost one of their top post players prior to the start of the season. Uh, but they're still a good team. Yeah. So uh, it's one of those things, sometimes uh, the wins later in the season look better than they are early in the season. That is certainly the case. Cortland is 7-3. Cortland such a young team, just being able to, uh, to play well. What surprised me wasn't that we beat some of those teams. Is uh, We handled a lot of those teams uh, you know, fairly easily, to tell you the truth, is we just played very well. Well, yeah, you beat Cortland 74-49. They're now 7-3. and three. Yeah. Uh, you beat Gettysburg 81-72. That would be a relatively closer game for sure. Yeah. Um, but, of course, you also haven't hit the, the meat of this conference either. Right. You played F&M, who tends to be near the bottom. You beat uh, Haverford, 
Um, and uh, Gettysburg, obviously Gettysburg's near the top of the conference, and, and rightly so. But right. you haven't really gotten into the conference play despite playing three games already. No, we haven't. You know, we get a few games done before Christmas because of the size of our conference. Right. You can't wait until January to play all your games. And we're playing three games a week through most of January as is. Uh, but we're sort of used to that. That's a normal uh, season for us. But, right, coming back, we got Dickinson on Thursday. Yep. Uh, they're a team that seems to always give us trouble. And then we've got Hopkins and McDaniel, who were picked preseason one-two in the league. Uh, so it, it gets tough really very quickly. And when you're playing 18 league games, uh, it's a long grind. It, re- it really is because yeah. you don't have a breather. Any one of those games can cost you uh, the regular season championship. Well, Haverford is five and four, but they're zero and two in conference play. Right. Um, we talked about it. Franklin and Marshall. They're two and nine, one and four in conference play. You do have Dickinson coming up, four and five, one and three in conference play, and you also have. Uh, by the way, I wanted to mention Gettysburg, six and two, but weirdly one and two in conference play. But you yeah. do have Hopkins coming up, and this is the oddity of this conference this year. Hopkins is three and six. They're one and two in the conference. They were picked to finish second. You know, Nancy Funk obviously always has uh, a, a good set of talent around her, but talk about just not the season. Does that make it hard going into a game like that to prepare? Because you expect X. You know what Nancy has. You know what the talent is. You all predicted her to be second in the conference. They're clearly not when they look at the record. Does that almost throw? Do you almost start second guessing what you're seeing? Uh, you know, sometimes a little bit. The one thing that's great for our team is that we did that last year. We opened up the season three and five. True. And we're terrible. I mean, we were three <laughs> and five, and we were the best three and five team I ever saw. I mean, we, 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 we were worse than that. We should have been like one and seven. Nice. And we go and we wind up finish 21 and seven on the season. You know, we went 18 of our last 20. So uh, yeah. we look at a Johns Hopkins right now. We look at a McDaniel right now, and we see the potential for them to do the same thing. We came back last year, beat an undefeated McDaniel team, came back and beat yeah. an undefeated Gettysburg team to get the ball rolling. And you know those teams are planning to do the same thing against us. And especially since we don't have much experience, it's like a first time around the block for a lot of the kids on my team. I've got one starter back from last year's team. Yeah, exactly. And which is again amazing where you guys are ranked. Again, and McDaniel's eight and two, four and zero in the conference. The other curveball, or Sinus is five and five, but they're four and zero yeah, in the conference. Yeah, they only yeah, exactly. They and, only league games, but we're league games, so I don't get to play them out of league. I was going to say, you're going to see them twice, but unfortunately yeah. you're not going to see them for a while. Does that make it, I mean, obviously you don't want to concentrate on them necessarily, but you've got, come on, you know this conference, you know this region well enough, you've served on committees. Yeah. you got to be looking at this going, huh, I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. I really don't. And especially, like I said, with our conference, you're playing 18 league games over a three-month span. Yeah. It's a lot like the NBA. Sometimes it's not who you play, it's when you play them. True. You know, you play a team early in January and you get them at the right time, you feel good. You have to play them in the middle of February or the beginning of February when they've got it all together. Hey, then it's a totally different story. Uh, so, so we'll see what will happen. I, I really don't know. At this point for our team, we've sort of looked at it as we just got to win the next game. And, and like I said, I've got, I'm sorry, three sophomores, a junior and a senior. Yeah. Sophomore is my sixth player coming off the bench. Uh, it's their first time through it. You know, they've been there. They won a championship last year, cheering on their teammates and practicing hard every day. So every day for them is a new experience. And in some some ways, I really think uh, the fact that they don't know what they're doing and what's going on has been sort of a blessing for them because uh, they just go out and play the next game. They're more concerned about making a music video and where do we eat later uh, than <laughs> anything else at this point. 
Do you know what music videos are, Coach? Do you understand what? I do. All I know is they told me that in their free time yesterday they were making a music video. So I will. See oh, I want to see this. D three hoops. I'll tell you that. Yeah, Ron, I want to see what this video ends yeah. up looking like. I want to see that too. It's probably yeah. a song you and I have never heard of. No, absolutely. I guarantee you that. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the team, though. You talk about him. You talk about the one senior. We had a graphic pop up just a moment ago saying you had one senior. That senior is Christina Santoni. Yep. Uh, 10.9 points a game, 8.9 rebounds a game. Seems pretty solid. Seems like that would be the leader. She's not. There are three sophomores yep. outscoring her. Nearly 15 points a game for Christina Manning. Rachel Plotke, 14.5 points a game. Brandy Val, is it Valeli? It's, it's Valeli. Valeli. You just add the extra LL in there. Yeah. Uh, 14 points a game from her. All of uh, Valley is hauling down eight rebounds a game, and uh, is that true? Valley's handing out an eleven and a half assists a game. Yeah, she's had three triple doubles this year. Where's Mike is... Falk? I got to talk to him about assists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of those have been on the road. We opened wow. up. Wow. We opened up against Moravian on the road. She had fifteen. That's amazing. Which is amazing because it was her first college start. As a, she didn't play last year as a freshman, she broke her foot before the season started. Really missed the year. Uh, and uh, but she is just finding people, and like you know, you mentioned kids like uh, Christina Santone, kids like uh, Rachel Plotky, Christina Manning. When people make the shot after you pass it to them, you get more assists. Yeah, well, I mean that is that is a stellar number. You know, we talk about double doubles averaging, and you've got a senior who's doing that in, in in points and rebounds. That's what we're talking about: points and rebounds. It's not points and assists necessarily. How? big is it that you can have a player who not only is going to hand out, as you point out, 15 assists a game, she's going to put in 12 to 15 points a game as well. It's, I'll tell you, it's, it takes so much pressure off her teammates, and that's what's helped her to be able to get so many assists. You know, we're, we've always been a running team, a fast break team, and Brandy is uh, so comfortable in that game. And she makes teams fear her getting to the rim on the fast break. So, when, you know, and I really think the new, the way they're calling the game this year has had a big factor in that. Sure. You can't put your hands on somebody. Yep. You can't arm bar them. You can't push them on the way to the rim. So if you've got somebody who can get by their player, the only way to stop them is to have somebody go and help on that sure. play. And when that happens, Brandy has court vision like a great quarterback does and finds that open player, and that's where the assists come from. Well, so the scoring and the assists sort of are playing off of each other for her. While you were talking, I quickly looked up the NCAA stats online and through the weekend, she's number one in the country at 11.4 assists a game. The team is number two in the country at 21.6 a game. Um, you know, not too shabby, as they say. Of course, let's, now that I've got this up here, uh, field goal percentage, your seventh best in the country. Scoring margin, your seventh best in the country. Scoring offense, your 12th best in the country. Uh, your second best personal fouls per game. I don't know what that really means, Coach, in the grand scheme. That means scheme we foul less than anybody yeah, else. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm saying we got to talk about the officials. Uh, <laughs> Assist-to-turnover ratio is sixth best in the country. Fourth best in three-point field goals. Uh, I'm sorry, in uh, defensive rebounds a game. Sixth best in the fewest fouls a game, as we previously mentioned. Fifteenth in rebounds per game. You guys are statistically doing some amazing things. I know. That's one of the things, like, you know, our sports information uh, director, Mike Falk, and I have talked about it. You know, we've had Sweet 16 teams. We've mm -hmm. had, uh, you know, first-team All-Americans like Alex Chile, and we've yeah. had teams that have won 26, 25, 24 games in a season. But we've never had a team statistically put up the kind of numbers this team is. And uh, I don't have an answer for it. It's just sometimes it just sort of clicks. And uh, though the one thing I would say about this very young team is they practiced together every day last year against six seniors 
who won the Centennial Conference Championship. So they played against the best team in the league every single day. So their experience doing that, even though they don't have game night experience, uh, and it's just been remarkable. Uh, the one thing for this team is we're trying not to get too far ahead of ourselves. With such a young team, I really went into the season telling them, hey, we're going to have peaks and valleys. Uh, yeah. Now we have a peak, a valley, and a valley. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> nice. But, but maybe we just started the season on a peak, and there's some valleys down the road for us. We're going to find that out as we move along. Well, I was going to say, we'll circle back to the valley you put, you put yourself in at 26 days. Um, but let me talk about the other thing about statistics. The last time we were talking statistically about this team is one that you and I joke about nowadays, and that's when you were running the system, and you did it just because you wanted the team to enjoy themselves. You just didn't have the talent to compete. <laughs> But we're talking, what, about a dozen years ago at this point? Yeah, I mean, you're going back to the 0405 team, so it's been a while. Uh, though people remember those days very fondly. Yeah. Uh, this team, truthfully, is better offensively than those teams were. Sure. We're, average, we're averaging 80 points a game, basically, yeah. in half-court zone. <laughs> uh, so offensively, we're better. Uh, I charted our, our first half of our DeSales game the other day. I think we've, we got 15 possessions where we shot the ball in the first seven seconds we had the ball. Uh, the difference is we're not creating as much pace with other teams by pressing because I just don't have the depth this year. We're going maybe seven, eight deep. Uh, so we're playing a lot of uh, half-court zone, a lot of uh, containment type of defense. But once we get the ball, we are getting a shot pretty quickly. Ron, it's like you read my mind. I was just about to say, you only go in seven, eight deep in the eight, eight games that you've played. You've gone uh, nine deep in seven games. You do have a few other games where you've gone uh, to your full roster, a total of four games in that case. But listen, I talked to a lot of teams, and we're talking about ten guys deep uh, in at least two-thirds, three-quarters of the games. You're not doing that, and you've got a young team. Is there a concern? And granted, 26 days here will help. Again, I'll circle back, but... Is there a concern that as you get into the centennial grind here, you're going to need a little extra more in that bench? Yeah, I mean, that is a concern. There's no question about it. Uh, one of the things is we have, a, we have a player who we projected to be a starter, one of our juniors, Caroline Barberi, mm. who's coming back from injury in about a week or week and a half. So that'll give Perfect. us a little bit more depth. Uh, we, have, we have a few very talented freshmen, but they're freshmen. They're not ready yet. Uh, but they're slowly developing where I think we're going to be able to use them more and more. And then what you have to do is just uh, be smart in the way you practice. You know, we just can't kill the kids every day in practice and expect to play three times a week. We've got to practice more like an NBA team does. You know, go an hour, go an hour and 15 minutes, get off the floor and save our legs for game night. And, uh, but on the flip side of that, the fact that we've got the same seven kids on the floor most games, uh, they know each other so well. They play together so well, and our continuity is much better than subbing in 10, 11 kids. So there's a plus and a minus on sure. each side of that ledger. Let me get back to this 26 days. How yeah. do you get the team refocused? I mean, let's be honest. It has been a month since you've seen the uh, official blow a whistle in a game. It's been a month since the clock has truly counted down, except for an end of a practice. You know, it is hard to get teams up and running after a week. It's hard to get them up and running after two weeks. We've seen them struggle after three I cannot imagine going 26 days. What's been the What's been the secret for you guys? At least what you What do you hope is the secret that they'll get this team ready for their game? Essentially, as as again, this it, you guys play Thursday when this has been announced or is being released. What's uh, the secret to get rolling here? My, my concern is twofold. Is uh, you know we basically had 18 days or so where we didn't we weren't even practicing or working out together. Right. Kids came back in great shape. But there's a difference between Good. working out shape and game shape. 
Absolutely. You have to play yourself two, three times a week in a game shape. Even practice doesn't get you ready for that. Great. Uh, so we sort of have to sort of take it in and and go to our depth more, uh, maybe pull in the reins a little bit more, slow down until we can get three or four games under our belt. The other thing is something you alluded to, which is that uh, competitiveness. You know, there's a difference between going for a rebound against your teammate, yeah. going for a rebound against somebody else. Yeah. Fighting through a screen against a teammate, you know, you play a little softer against people you know. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't cost us in those first three or four games. I think if we can sort of get through that stage, then we'll be back on par where everybody else is. But, you know, that's sort of what we have to do. Uh, we found we found it sort of makes us, having that time off also gives makes us a little fresher mentally. Uh, though, Truthfully, January historically has not been a good month for us, so we're going to keep our fingers crossed. Um, yeah, that's a fair point, too. Of course, that's getting into the conference action. A couple yeah. quick questions I have for you that I want to get in before we run out of time. First and foremost, um, you uh, you do play Bryn Mawr in conference, non-conference game. We haffingly joked about that. Is there a solution? Do you? I mean, you've been sitting on committees. You and I have talked before about how this is hurting the conference when you look at SOSs, when you look at uh, you know criteria to make the NCAA tournament. Is from your point of view, what's what's the answer here with this Bryn Mawr scenario? I mean, the, the answer so far is something that has happened, uh, which is you know their program has improved. I think they've got like three or four wins now this year. Uh, they beat an Immaculata team the other day. Sure. Uh, I mean, they're a part of our league. They're a part of our conference. I think it's just it's it's not an easy place to win. Let's face it. It's a great academic school. The SAT yes. standards are enormous. Yes. It's an all female school, so it's not an easy recruit. So so our hope is that they just keep doing a good job, keep supporting the program and that they can raise up to the level that uh you know it helps the league more and more and uh, that's just that's just the way it's sort of you know it's going to be for us and uh you know we're, we, we sort of have to be Bryn Mawr fans to a certain degree and, and they have made really good strides I will tell you over the last two or three years and I agree with that but is there a certain point where this is really hurting the conference in a sense that it's an automatic ding on the SOS that you can't offset with a with a second game to kind of even everything off. You automatically have a game in there that you have no choice about, and it also restricts you from scheduling an opponent that can maybe do better by you for at large criteria or even hosting criteria. Yeah, I mean, I think all those things are true. Uh, that's where you know, from our standpoint, we'll play a Cortland, we'll play a Moravian, right. we'll play the sales, we'll do the best that we can for right. that. Uh, to offset that, but you know, who knows? It, it could be uh, five, ten years down the line, and their numbers are fine, and somebody else in the league is. Oh, absolutely, certain the league. Yeah. So you never really know. It's it's sure. uh, it's it's a case by case basis, and everybody is uh, you know doing their best. And, and and again, I think you also have to keep in mind the Division Three philosophy, which is yes. we're not here to fill arenas. We're not here to make X amount of TV dollars. Uh, our job is, and, and our number one goal from our team at Muhlenberg every year, is to win the Centennial Conference. So if, if we don't win the Centennial Conference, if we don't win the league championship, if we don't get that automatic bid, I'm not going to cry too much about not getting that large bid because somebody uh, didn't like our strength of schedule. Uh, we, it was in our hands to do that, and we didn't do that. Sure. So uh, really, you know, try to, try to make as few excuses for our own success as, or, or failure as possible. What's the message to the team moving forward? Obviously, the message is to get up and playing after 26 days. But my point is, with the conference grind here, January and February being so important, high, high expectations both nationally and on you guys. Well, what's the message? What's on the grease board to this team to get them psychologically ready for the grind here? 
Yeah, well, I mean, if, the first thing is that our number one goal is to win the league and win the championship. We didn't go into the season, believe me, we did not go into the season saying we need to make the top ten national rankings. <laughs> sure. That was not something on the on the goal list. Uh, so that's still our goal. You know, don't forget, we've won six out of the past ten Centennial Conference championships. Yep. So these people, the girls on this team, uh, there's a certain amount of tradition and there's a certain amount of success that's come before them, and they don't want to be the team that lets that down. So that's number one is winning the conference. Uh, and then we've talked about not playing to the polls. Uh, I really thought us even breaking into the top 25 initially was very premature. Uh, happy that we got it. It helps recruiting. Sure. It's like parents like to go to the office, <laughs> brag about their kids, all those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, but, but there is a danger on a very young team, especially of playing to the poll. Oh, we mm -hmm. can't lose this game because we'll drop in the poll, or we'll mm -hmm. lose this game, we won't be ranked. And uh, then you start playing not to lose instead of trying to win. Yeah. So we really tried to focus on, on that type of thing as well and just go out there and play the game. Like I, I said in practice for us yesterday, uh, listen, I don't know if we're one of the top 10 best teams in the country, but we got to go out and practice today like we want to be one of the top 10 teams in the country. And uh, that's sort of the, the mindset that we have. Like I said, this, this team just wants to go play and win. Uh, it's nice when you have a lot of kids who sat the bench all last year. They're just happy to be playing. That's true. You know? uh, and uh, the fact that they're winning, I think, is maybe a bigger surprise to them as it is to anybody else. Uh, I think the other thing that's great about you, Coach, is I didn't know you were uh, one who could uh, guide fashion individuals uh as an alum of yours aaron mcsherry oh yeah that's uh from 09 <laughs> i found the great article on your website written by sports illustrated's uh jack mccallum who yeah. by the way if no one knows is a muhlenberg grad uh th this story about the the leading shot blocker in school history who now is um not so much blocking light as she is receiving it from the cameras yeah. uh as a as a, a bit of a fashion photo uh a model for the word i was trying to get to uh, that's that's well, incredible. She, she, she's you know it's funny when Erin came to visit campus as a senior in high school. She told me on the tour, I'm going to be a professional celebrity stylist. That's hmm. what I'm going to do. I'm going to shop. I'm going to dress people. I'm going to do wardrobe for all these kind of stuff. Now her mom is walking behind her, rolling her eyes and shaking her head. You know, basically telling me no. She's going to get a business degree so she can get a job. Yeah, and uh, she did both. And now that's what she's doing. She works, She's the personal stylist for people like uh, Sylvia Vergara, for the rapper 50 Cent. Uh, she does all kinds of movies, all kinds of uh, uh, music video shoots. Yeah. It's really amazing what she's done. Uh, you know, but everybody wants to know now, after that story came out, how I still dress so poorly. Uh, because they think Aaron must be, must be uh, giving me some kind of advice. I remember one time I came in when, her senior year. And I was dressed for a game. I thought I looked great, you know. And, uh, and I go, Aaron, what do you think? And she just shook her head and said, Coach, no chance. I, I, I can't even help you. Wow. And, uh, I was like, that's okay, Aaron. You just go keep blocking shots. I, I'll look bad. 164 block shots. Uh, but, you, but, you look good in the sweatshirt. But it does, show, it does show the kind of things that happen for kids at yeah. the Division three level and the kind of things that they could do. Absolutely. She yeah. – uh, she uh, even did an internship her junior year where you allowed her to leave uh, the, yeah. the, the leave twice a week to be in Manhattan for that internship. That's yeah, incredible. She, she, had, she had one of those internships with uh, the fashion designer, Susanna Monica. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Like 3,000 people applied. She got it. That's too and bad. And she got the internship. She was basically the girl in The Devil Wears Prada. I mean, that was her yeah, internship. That's amazing. And uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. She, she went from being an okay player that year to being all-conference. I was looking for another internship for her senior year. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you don't know how things are going to work out. You're, you're right. And, and by the way, I'm, we'll see if she chimes in, if she's watched this interview and has any uh, ideas about your, your, your attire here. I certainly hope she doesn't say anything about the polo. 
Uh, I know I could use some fashion advice. My wife tells me all the time, too. Yeah, she's uh, she's got a great eye. She's got a great look. It's amazing. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, you know, kids on our team love following her on Twitter and Instagram and all that because she's got people like Jay-Z tweeting with her. That's unbelievable. You know, I think that's the phraseology. I, don't, I barely have a cell phone, so I don't know what most Don't worry. You, you, I don't think you've gone too far off into the deep end just yet. <laughs> uh, just, hey, it's truly, truly YD3, though, to say the yeah, least. it is. It really is. Hey, uh, appreciate you taking the time. I uh, always love chatting with you, whether it's in person, on Skype, or on the telephone. You're always a blast to chat with, and hopefully we'll run into each other sometime down the road. Uh, as always, we give the coach and guest the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, uh, good luck to everybody out there. Hopefully you'll check in with us later in the season, and you'll tell us we're still doing good instead of, <laughs> I told you you shouldn't have taken that 26-day layoff. That's <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, well, next time we check in, we need you in a suit that's been a, then, that's been approved yeah, by Aaron. How about, about that? that? I'll have to buy one. No, oh, true. <laughs> I'm going to wear it. I'm going to have to buy one. That's a good yeah. point. Hey, take care, Coach. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Ron Round joining us from Muhlenberg. Again, the team is off to an 8-0 start, though they've been on a 26-day break. That 26-day break, by the way, longer than their preseason in the Centennial. Just something else to consider. They're 3-0 and in conference play. They are off and underway on Thursday against Dickinson, a home game. They then take on Hopkins on Saturday, and then they take on McDaniel uh, the following week. Uh, that's certainly a big test coming up for the Muhlenberg Mules. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk more women's basketball. We'll go from Pennsylvania to California. Calu. Uh, is on our topic sheet. We'll talk to the Cal Lutheran women's basketball team coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and NABC Studios. More Hoopsville right after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a current Division Three student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and I believe student-athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Granted, not live like we normally do, but I appreciate you still being a fan of the program. Uh, we'll be back on the air live on Sunday. Of course, next Thursday's show will also be pre-recorded as we will be busy at the NCAA convention and catching some basketball games while we're down there. Uh, if you're down in the San Antonio area, um, I don't know my exact schedule, but if you happen to see me, make yourself known. We love meeting fans and others from around Division Three, and looking forward to being in San Antonio next week. Don't forget, you can always follow us on Twitter. Follow us at 
white uh, at D3 Hoopsville at D3 Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, you can always email us, Hoopsville at D3 Hoops.com. I want to thank Ron Roan from Muhlenberg previously. Uh, going to stay with the women's basketball theme, mainly as an homage to the WBCA coming on board here because we are in the now WBCA NABC studios and we appreciate their support of Hoopsville. We're glad to have them on as a partner and we're going to stick with some women's basketball here and we're going to go from Pennsylvania all the way out west to maybe some similar weather. Well, who are we kidding? It's always nicer in Southern Cal, even if it's pouring rain. Uh, we're going to talk Cal Lutheran basketball and joining us on the Hoopsville hotline is their head basketball coach to the women's program, Lindsay Goldblatt. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me. Uh, first and foremost, heck of a season here. 9-3 and three to start the season, 3-0 and oh in conference play. Yes, we'll talk about the fact that two of those games are in non-conference action, so you look even better in the Division Three world because you're really 9-1 and one overall. Yeah, we, you know, we really early on, uh, we have a, a good core coming back, and so I wanted to really challenge us and uh, put some games on our schedule that would expose some of our weaknesses. And we've really responded a lot better than I anticipated. And so uh, I've been really thrilled with the progress that we've made throughout the course of the season and um, re- you know, really happy with where we stand right now. Well, this even started on game number one on the opening day of the season on Friday the 13th. For George Fox, that nearly became that Friday the 13th for them. You guys only lost 71-69. Let's be honest. That can go down, essentially, as a win in a lot of teams' programs to take the vulnerable, uh, the vulnerable, though well, apparently looked vulnerable, but you know, the, the monster that is George Fox, taking them right down to the wire, that's a heck of a way to start the season. Yeah, we responded very well uh, with that. You know, we went there two years ago. Uh, that was my first year here at Cal Lutheran. We had, um, you know, with us now we have... Um, nine of those girls who experienced what was uh, our very first game against a Division three school powerhouse uh, such as George Fox, and it was quite the eye-opener for us. So um, now with, you know, eight jun- who are now uh, eight of those girls are juniors and one is a senior, uh, we went as a very different team, and we remembered that experience. And I think having done that so early and them having the experience as freshmen and as uh, one sophomore really helped prepare us for that. And uh, you know, again, we went in there and we wanted to keep it competitive. Uh, and uh, much to our pleasant surprise, it was it was a great game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you definitely had everybody's attention that night, uh, especially the late nighters like myself, uh, checking out games around the country. And then what what I find more impressive, though, coach, is a game like that. You lose. Granted, you weren't supposed to win. Let's be honest. Nobody had you winning that game. Right. But you lose in such a close manner that that can be, you know, that can be a mental hit for any team. So recovering and playing the next day and especially trying to win a game, no matter who the opponent is, good, bad, or, or ugly, is not necessarily an easy task. You guys came back and beat Lewis and Clark the next day by 14. Yeah, we put a lot of effort into that George Fox game, and I think physically, emotionally, mentally, we were exhausted afterwards. Uh, you know, it took everything that we had um, to make that the game that it was. And they're a very well-coached team, and mm-hmm. to play in the atmosphere at George Fox, it's, it's a challenge. Um, so, you know, it was, it was tough for us. It was almost like the Lewis and Clark game was a little bit harder for us to come back and to be just as tough and just as physical and just as, you know, mentally, um, you know, mentally focused and sharp. And, and it was a little bit of a struggle early on. We, we went, uh, 
had a slow start there, but uh, seemed to pick it up and, and get some stops and score some baskets when we needed to. Of course, then you played two non-Division three teams, and, and quickly, I just kind of want to get an idea of who these teams are from anybody out there who may not understand, especially considering you're out there on the island that is California. You played the Masters College. I assume that's not in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, and then you played Westmont College. Who are these teams for anybody out there who's not familiar, you know, and, and, and why those opponents for you guys this season? So they're uh, NAIA Division One schools and very talented. Westmont won their national championship about three years ago. Um, Masters is top of their conference. They play in Westmont's conference. And so those were uh, really cha- you know, good challenges for us to play a lot of size, to play you know, teams that were more physical, a little bit quicker than us, and, and to be able to battle with them. Um, and we had a tough time. And, and to play those games, I think, really helped expose our weaknesses and you know, help us get to a place where we need we know what we need to work on and, and we need to get to work if we want to be a top team. Um, obviously, you know, games that won't count in Division Three's world in the grand scheme of things, unless for some absolutely crazy reason we are so deep into the criteria between you and some other teams that common opponents are going to become a factor. And let's be honest, I don't see that becoming any issue. And they really need to tiebreaker and they add two losses. But in reality, this isn't going to be much of a conversation starter, but I think what the most impressive part was then you came off of that after having some time off, uh, over a week to be exact, you took on a couple of more Northwest Conference teams, this time once again back up uh, in the Northwest. You took on Whitman and Whitworth, and talk about, if you're not talking about George Fox in the Northwest Conference, you're talking about Whitman and Whitworth. You're talking about the two other stalwarts of that conference who have, are darn good. Whitworth almost made the tournament last year. Whitman has certainly um, been a team that to watch out for. You beat both of them, and for one of them, and I believe it's Whitman, it's still their only loss on the season. You made one heck of a statement, especially on the Division Three side, to start this year. It, it was, you know, like I said, we really want to challenge ourselves. Both of those are great teams, very well coached. Yeah. To have to travel up, you know, that way it was really going to test us. And I, I felt for us that um, we've come a long way in the last two years, and, and we have grown, and we've, you know, um, have a new maturity about us. And I think that 100% showed when we took that trip. And we knew, you know, we knew that it was going to be a challenge for us. And the girls know we're going to play top teams in the Northwest, and it's very important for us to keep it competitive. And then let's just see what happens. And they came out just firing away and um it it worked you know we we decided that we're going to go up there not just to play games but we're going to go up there and do our best to compete and win those games and it were it somehow worked out for us Uh, i am convinced uh, we had about a five hour five hour layover (laughs) going into washington and we missed our practice oh so i am convinced that the girls were thrilled about that yeah came out um they're like okay if we can win maybe coach will cancel all the practices day before games <laughs> yeah i don't see that happening it was a nice idea yeah. nice idea <laughs> i'm sure it'll work out for him but it was a good effort <laughs> i'm surprised you either didn't make the terminal a practice location or yet even crueler call the tsa and go hey can we borrow a little tarmac I you just... know we thought about it, we thought about it. <laughs> like, but it was raining a little bit uh, we're not quite used to so. listen those buildings are on top of things you can get underneath the terminals <laughs> there's room i don't i don't know what's under the terminals necessarily but come on there's a lot of tarmac I, but i'm 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 really surprised you just didn't go right in the middle of the terminal and say people clear out we just got to run through some plays here please yeah um, we get the chairs as defenders you know exactly exactly would have been in in the the trick would have been the the offensive player who's not moving but is on the moving sidewalk that could have right. been a little hard <laughs> to defend um but listen you made essentially 
two trips to the great Northwest. You went to Newburgh, Oregon, and and uh, Portland, Oregon, the first weekend. You come out of there one and one with a near victory over one of the best teams in the country. The next time you go up to Walla Walla, Washington, and on uh, and onward up to um, um, Spokane, and you come out with two wins there. Listen, I know how this system works. That may be one heck of a benefit for you guys should you be in the conversation of the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying you're necessarily hosting because of travel arrangements, but you might get a better matchup because of all that. And then we're talking the first two weeks, three weeks of the season. Yeah, we just, you know, we no, we didn't have any of that in mind. Uh, sure. When I made the schedule, it was... You don't, really I do. Challenger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to challenge ourselves. Sure. Uh, we're very fortunate to be, you know, be able to have come out with quite a few wins and battling George Fox the way that we did. Um, you know, and so we're just looking to, to really, you know, we do that to prepare ourselves for our conference because that's really what matters for us. Um, and, you know, it, every one of those games, you know, those Northwest games included with the NAIA teams that we played have really prepared us, and we're in a really great place right now. Um, you know, it's up to us to keep our level, you know, to keep, a, you know, keep ourselves playing at, at a high level. Um, but, yeah, we're, you know, we're just we're excited for the future. Um, you know, like I said, we started, there was nine of us who started this journey together two years ago, and uh, we just, from day one, wanted to build the program back to what it was uh, when it was winning conference tournaments and making it to regionals and things like that. So we've got some lofty goals for ourselves, and uh, we just take it one game at a time and treat everybody, um, you know, like they're like they're a top team in the nation, and, and that's how we have to approach every game. Uh, since then, you've uh, come home finally. Uh, <laughs> granted, you played Westmont College at home, but you played the rest of the pro uh, of the season at home. Uh, Occidental Pacific, um, UC Santa Cruz, another Northwest team in Pacific Lutheran, Pomona, Pitzer, Caltech. You've won all of them. Uh, some of the games haven't even been close. I think uh, four of the six haven't been close. Uh, you're certainly on a roll, and you got Laverne coming up this weekend, and you'll go back on the road for that. you got to love how the teams responded and dealt with the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. I think the holiday was the best thing for us. We took a, we were pretty fortunate to have four or five days off, which is great. Uh, you know, and coming back from the Northwest, we were really excited about, you know, what we did and how it went. That um, We came home and we started to, you know, have a couple of poor shooting nights and uh, become a little bit less disciplined and things like that. So uh, we were pretty sure that we wanted to go back to the Northwest after our next two games. <laughs> <laughs> and play all of our home games somewhere up there but um you know the break was perfect for us uh the girls needed some time just to just to relax and to rest and and to get mentally prepared for the next part of our season and they responded great and um we just hope to continue to to improve and work on those weaknesses that we have obviously started the conference schedule with a three and zero start you're tied with claremont mud scripts both programs are getting votes in the women's top 25 behind you's redlands who's only played a single game and then chapman at two and one uh, and Whittier at one and one. No one has a, an above uh, 500 record except you, Claremont Scripps, and Chapman. You know this is going to be a bit of a dogfight for a conference. But I'm gathering, and obviously it's early. It looks like this is a Cal Lou CMS fight. You know anything can happen. Uh, we don't take anything for granted. Our our conferences, it's it's crazy. Um, we have you know common opponents that we've lost to that some of our you know teams that are under 500 have beaten. Yeah. Uh, so we definitely aren't taking anything for granted. Um, you know we hope to put ourselves in a position where we are one of those top two teams. Uh, Claremont has traditionally been uh, very successful and has done really well, especially these past few seasons. And uh, so we're looking forward to the challenge, whatever that brings for us. 
Um, you look back, uh, obviously you took over for Roy Dow. Uh, this is a program that had won 20 games or 20 plus games under him. It's a program that's been double figures in wins since 2010. Um, you know, this is a, a program that everyone's kind of synonymous with being the top of the Skyac. How much pressure does that put on you uh, as a new coach per se with the program? Come in there, keep that winning streak alive, not only the immediate year after with the talent that remains, but to get the recruits in and keep that program uh, kind of chugging along in the same direction. I'm really fortunate. We're, I'm at a great university. Um, Carl Lutheran's fantastic. We have, you know, like, you know, like most other Division three schools, strong academics. Um, we have a beautiful campus, beautiful facilities. So for us, it's, you know, we feel like if we can bring some recruits on campus, that the campus sells itself. Um, so we're very fortunate in that area. As far as the pressure goes, you know, I just, for myself personally, I just want to do the best job that I can do. And whatever that brings, you know, that brings. So, um, you know, hopefully it's going to bring us in the future some conference championships. You know, we're, we're really working hard to do that. Uh, we have a great group of, a great group of girls this year who are very focused and um, have some lofty goals for themselves. So, um, you know, you, you can't put pressure on yourself to do things that other people have done. Uh, you just got to do the best that you can do, and that's what we tell to our players. You know, don't worry about what this team did last year. Don't worry about what they did five years ago. Um, you know, worry about what we can do right now. In the next week plus, you'll play three games, two of them on the road, one of them at home in conference play. You'll play Laverne, who I got a chance to see at the D3Hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas. Uh, may not have a great record, but they're certainly um, a, a team that you can't overlook. Um, they're gonna they're gonna give you problems. Uh, you then have Redlands on the road. Uh, then you'll follow up uh, a week and a half from now at home against Whittier, and Whittier is your only home game in a span of five. That'll obviously come back and help you later when you guys finish off the regular season with four of seven at home. Uh, how important is this little run here? This this next three, this next five, especially the road games, to make sure you stay in the conversation and, and don't take a, a you know too many hits or any hits at all in general before. You, you run into the Chapman and, and Claremont Mud scripts at the end of uh, in the end of January, right? Yeah, no, they're very important for us. Um, these are all great teams, uh, you know, that have a chance to win any game. Um, it, you know, it's fun to check the scores after our game and see who did what in the conference because there's really no you know clear cut, you know, so and so is going to win this game. Uh, so you know, we just we we just want to continue to play at a high level and make sure that we do that consistently, whether it's on the road or whether it's at home. And um, you know, going to a place like Redlands, one of our furthest trips that we take, and I know you're probably going to laugh at me. It's only you know, it's about two and a half hours away. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, come on, <laughs> a whole and two and a half hours. Half of that's just the traffic. Yes, <laughs> it's not the true. distance. It's not the distance. It's the traffic. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, we just want to make sure that we're. We're mentally prepared for those, you know, for those trips and and playing in places that um, that we know people people are going to bring their best game for us. Um, you know, we have a target on our back and we're okay with that. Uh, but we want to continue to do that. Uh, let's talk about your team. Uh, you only have one senior on this squad, but I also noticed you don't tend to go very deep on the bench during a game. Uh, well, let's talk about the dynamics, though. That one senior is Chelsea Jacoby. She's second on the team with twelve point three points a game and five point seven rebounds a game. You're led by Jessica. Uh, Salatolo, I hope I said that right. Yes, you uh, got it. Whew, junior. <laughs> I know, she's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, it's that extra O in there that kind of throws you for a loop. Uh, <laughs> maybe the extra T as well. Uh, Salatolo, 12.5 points a game, uh, nearly four rebounds a game. She's leading the way. Do you have another sophomore? Tatiana Dunlop, 11 points a game, four rebounds a game. Uh, we should point out, by the way, Salatolo, three re- uh, assists a game, Jacoby, 
three and a half assists a game. Dunlap, two assists a game. Uh, you also have Haley Hodgson at eight points a game. Tri- uh, Triana Owen at seven and a half, along with Taylor Messick at seven and a half. Those are all juniors on this squad, and, and some of them haven't even... Um, let's see, Hodgson's played in 12 games. I mentioned Dunlop. I apologize. She's only played in a single game. Hodgson's played in 12. Owen's played in nine. Messick's played in 12. Um, yeah, sorry about the Dunlop there. I, I missed the one next to her name. Um, but those other two, uh, Salatolo and Jacoby, obviously the, the keys to this squad in the sense that plenty of points, plenty of rebounds, plenty of dishes. Yeah, we, you know, we're, we're a very selfless team and it, took us a little bit to be able to realize that that's how, you know, we have to do things like that to be able to win games. And, you know, some of our, we could just call them uh, better offensive players, don't care if they're scoring all the points. Um, and it shows because some of, you know, some of them are leading us in assists. Uh, and they do create, you know, a lot of pressure from the defense. And so for them to be able to recognize that someone else is more open and share the ball is, uh, I think, a big part of our success that we've had. But Chelsea's been phenomenal. She's a Division One bounce back for us. And um, like I said, she started here a couple of years ago when I got here. And uh, local product, so I've known her in high school and all that stuff. So it's been, uh, I've been very, very happy to have a chance to coach her. She is a, one of our hardest workers. Um, and to have one of your you know, leaders to be your hardest worker um, you know, puts us in a really good position. So her and, and Jessica Salatolo have taken up um, most of the scoring for us. But they also guard some of the better, you know, some of the better offensive players on teams. It's not just about them putting the ball in the basket. It's about what more can they do for our team and how can they help us win. Um, and they're not, like I said, they're the biggest supporter of someone else, you know, getting an N one or hitting a three than themselves making a basket. What's really interesting is you have six players who played in twelve games. That's it. Uh, we can go out to seven players who played in ten. Uh, eight teams that have played in nine. Um, you don't go deep on this bench necessarily. You don't de- depth isn't exactly a word I'd, I'd use for this squad. Uh, you, you know, we we actually have the, all of our returners. We have about nine of them, um, the juniors and the senior, who all could definitely make an impact for us. Uh, and with that, I think there's about three girls who don't start that could easily start for us. Um, so we are a little bit deeper, I think, than you know what you're seeing on paper. Um, and that's, you know, when someone's having a tough night, someone seems to come in off the bench and step up when we need them. And that's the biggest part for us. Um, you know, but we are, we are led, by, we're led by our juniors, we're led by our senior, and we're getting good production from a couple of our sophomores. Um, talking to Lindsey Goldblatt here, the head coach for Claremont. Uh, Claremont, jeez. Cal Lutheran, CLU. I'll figure that out someday. Um, team is obviously off to a terrific start uh, midway through the season at 9-3, and 3-0 in conference play with conference play left to go. So what's the message to the team? What what is the what is the goal? What is the 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 you know the the hurrah to get this squad to remain focused besides possibly not pl- practicing the day before games. I, <laughs> I realize that's what they'd like, but in the grand scheme of things, what's the message to the squad is you guys now really get into the the toughest part of the schedule, the conference stuff where everybody knows everybody. Yeah, the message is stay focused. Uh, we like, you know, we like to play to what we call our, our CLU standard, and that's what we go and do every night. And it doesn't matter. Obviously, every game is just as important as the next. 
because anything can happen, and we know that, and we're not taking anything for granted. And, you know, like I said, we've got some lofty goals. We'd love to win conference. We'd love to make it to the NCAA tournament, things like that. But that comes with a lot of hard work, and I think at this point we know that. So we're just so – we're continuing to work hard. Um, we're going to continue to try and play to a high standard and um, hope things work out for us in the end. Well, very good. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and, and talk about CLU, especially the great start to the season. The Eagles obviously um, playing well and obviously some big wins in there uh, as well as we talked about. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Yes, I'd like to let everybody know it has rained in California the past few days. <laughs> it, it's probably worth it. about all our sunshine, but I want everybody to feel very bad for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I know about the. Crowded. I don't know about the very bad or the bad part, but <laughs> we feel for you. We'll go that far, okay? Uh, but no, I just thought, I want to thank you for having me. I've uh, really enjoyed being a part of the show. I uh, appreciate the opportunity, and just uh, let everyone know uh, if you're in the area, if you can ever come out and check out a game, uh, hopefully you'll you'll enjoy it and you'll have a lot of fun watching us play. Just remember, it's going to take you twice as long to get there as you think it will. Just <laughs> yeah. just remember that part. It's L.A. region after all. Uh, leave early. Leave early, stay late? No, never mind. Uh, <laughs> Coach, thanks so much. Take care. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to, uh, to hopefully we talking about the Regals at the end of February as well. That'd be great. Take care. Lindsay Goldblatt joins us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time. Again, 9-3 and three start, 3-0 three and oh in conference play. Really shouldn't say start. We're halfway through the season, um, for them at least. Uh, again, Laverne and Redlands coming up uh, in the next two games on the road, then home against Whittier, then back on the road against Occidental and Chapman. Um, big big set of five games coming up here just to keep momentum rolling as they enter that Chapman Claremont Mud script setup uh, there. And obviously those games will repeat themselves as well in the Skyac. When we come back, we'll switch gears. We'll shift into men's basketball action. We'll go from uh, California back to New York. So we've gone went Pennsylvania to California. Now we'll go back to New York. If you follow, okay, so we'll go Western New York. Maybe it'll feel like Western Coast. Maybe not. You know what I'm saying. You're watching Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com. This is in and in from the WBCA NABC studios. More Hoopsville right after this. Division three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying today's show. Obviously, we're not live live. I have a previous obligation. 
um, public addressing a, a, a basketball game at my alma mater. It happens on time to time. Can't get the schedule absolutely perfect uh, when talking with the scheduling gods, but um, we do hope you're enjoying the show, uh, it, it, whether you've picked it up halfway through, whether you have uh, come on for a specific interview, or whether you've caught the whole thing, whether it's the video version or the podcast. We appreciate you taking the time. Lots of big news to talk about in Division Three, and this is our first night where we have segmented back to the regional coverage like we normally do on Thursdays and Sunday evenings. Of course, we're on the air at 7 o'clock normally on those shows. Thursdays, we normally talk Great Lakes, um, East, uh, Mid-Atlantic, and uh, a bit of West region. Sometimes we sprinkle in some South as well. Tonight, uh, we've been talking about those four main regions, and we've been talking women's basketball. Now we're transitioning uh, into some of our men's basketball coverage, and we're going to jump up to the East region, and I'll be blunt. I looked at the East region. I've had a few ideas of who I've wanted to talk to, but every week I wait another week to go talk to somebody. A couple more teams get added to the list, especially if you're looking at the SUNYAC. It is incredible. Now, obviously, this is pre-taped. A lot of these interviews we're talking to guests on Wednesday to get it all turned around Thursday for you on Thursday night. So some games may take place before we talk to teams. And in the Suniac's case, that could completely change half of what we're going to about to talk about and at least who's leading and who's in what position, so on and so forth. But at the same time, it may not. However, one of the teams leading the way right now in the Suniac is Buffalo State. Uh, the team is uh, up there in the running. They're not leading the way. That's Cortland State's right now after thumping Oswego State earlier in the week. But Plattsburgh's up there. Buffalo State's up there as well. And Buffalo State has had some significant wins this season. So we figured... What a better time. It's been a while. We might as well talk to their head coach. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Fazri Ansari. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you very much. I think the last time we actually talked to you might have been back in 2011 when you guys were making that incredible run through the regular season, winning the SUNYAC title, and making an even better run into the NCAA tournament. Yes, yes. It was, um, seemed like a long time ago. But... It does. Cherish, cherish memories. <laughs> yes. Well, you guys are back in it. Not that you're not always somewhat in the fray in the Suniac. You've been right in the middle of the road for the last couple of seasons since 2011. Um, obviously, you're on better terms, as it were, right now. Eight and two the start, two and one in conference play. As we speak to you, we should point out, is obviously this show's coming out on the 7th. You'll be playing a game uh, tomorrow, as it were, for anybody who's listening. But Friday the 8th against Potsdam and and, uh, and uh, Saturday the 9th against Plattsburgh, both games on the road. We'll talk about the significance of travel in a bit. But first and foremost, eight and two start, Coach. Um, I don't know if necessarily you guys were flying on anybody's radar, but you're certainly on everybody's radar now. Yes, uh, we've, we've, uh, we try to get competitive games on the non-league because our conference, as you noted, is, is so com- tough and you have to be ready to play every night and it doesn't necessarily help you um, playing teams that's not on the same um, <laughs> caliber, you know. So uh, we try to, you know, sometimes you you don't have the luxury of um, knowing who will go to yeah. what tournament, what teams, but um, it worked out for us. We have had really good uh, competition. All the teams I felt down in the uh, coaches versus cancer and Lehman were capable of winning the tournament. You know, it was very good competition, so we were fortunate to get that out. And then, you know, you go right into uh, three games uh, in conference play on the road. So it's going to be a tough week for us. We were fortunate um, to get by um, uh, last uh, night or the other night at, at Brockport. Um, <clears throat> but that was a good win for us. Um, again, very competitive team. And um, just, you know, 
traveling, getting off the bus, and being ready to play up out the jump against a team that's you know just really eyeing you down is is tough. But we yeah. was able to to work it work yeah. it through. Yeah, the beginning of the season certainly has been terrific. Obviously, a couple out of conference games in Point Park and Villa Maria. Really quick, kind of give us a sense of who those teams are. A lot of us in Division Three, it's hard to follow the rest of the divisions and follow the rest of the NAIA. On top of that, can you give us an idea of Point Park and Villa Maria to understand that loss and win there? Uh, Point Park, uh, NAIA, as you mentioned, they're in uh, Pittsburgh, and they are a team that's come ready to play because they don't have a home gym. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, so they're on the road all the time. They they get some uh, veteran players, uh, maybe guys who may have started another school, but they usually season. And uh, I think that was their fifth game, and it was our uh, first, you know, besides the exhibition game, was the first uh, game for us, sure. albeit at home. So um, they were a little bit more ready than we were. We didn't shoot it necessarily well that, that first night, a little excited, you know, opening game and, and everything. But um, they, they are tough. Uh, coach had been with them, I, I want to say, at least 25 years, I believe. Wow. Uh, and, and I know he's probably looking towards the end, but, you know, he has a system there and it works pretty good for them. Villa Maria was a Division three school that that um, that took away the athletics um, some years ago, so they're just working their way back. I think they're about another year away or so before they actually get recognized with NCAA. Um, but they have a lot of a local uh, – players here and you know so we it was a competitive game and I thought it was tougher that we made it tougher than it should have been but um that happens when the players kind of know each other and um their style and everybody seems to get up to play us no matter what our season is or what our record is everybody just seemed to come to come to play us well um interesting you I would say every not every year but every other year at the at the worst you'll play a non-division three opponent uh, it's certainly not like you're in an isolated area where you can't find Division three opponents, but what's the draw to the Point Parks? And obviously Villa Maria is coming into the NCAA. Don't, uh, but the idea, you played Point Park a few times. you played a couple others every once in a while. Is it just one of those that's a, a nice filler? Is, it, is, it, is well, there something Villa, deeper? We were like the local schools. Uh, mm-hmm. We used to have a, what they call a little four tournament. It used to be with Deauville, Hilbert, ourself, and uh, Madai. But when they all join in the same conference, that kind of yeah. you know scratched that. So sure. Villa Maria not being in that conference, we hoping uh, to get a couple of more local games and you know maybe a possible tournament. And other schools wouldn't mind playing them because it, it wouldn't be a, a double game, if you will, as far sure. as the, uh, the the conference play. You- um, Point Park actually, we were looking at the possibility of doing a game with the University of Buffalo Division One, and it kept mm-hmm. going back and forth. So we wind up losing the game Ooh. that we initially had scheduled to play Madai opening. So Madai couldn't afford a way, they, so they wind up taking the Geneseo game. So we had to fill in kind of the, you know late sure. in the summer. So that's how we got the Point Park game. Sure. Uh, so certainly sometimes it's just the circumstances uh, right. that come to play. Of course, we should point out, we'll talk about it a little bit later, University of Buffalo, your alma mater. Um you you look at the rest of the schedule though. You got into it. Nazareth with a win. Got a, uh, beat Hobart, who at the time looked like a pretty good squad. They've struggled as of late. Um, lost to Cortland State, who's leading the league right now. We'll talk about that more. Then got that big win over Oswego, and I think that's when people started to pick their ears up, as it were, a little bit. And then the win over New Jersey City, epic win over New Jersey City. Uh, I think what triple overtime and set the NCAA record in the amount of foul shots in a one nineteen one sixteen game. And then another big win over Lehman, who uh, at the time was leading the CUNYAC. 
Um, and then back in a conference play with a win over Brockport, who's certainly been good this year. You guys are, you guys are kind of clicking off some good wins here. Um, and like I said, we're flying under the radar now, but I think maybe you're kind of coming to the surface a little bit. Well, we we try to emphasize playing well together. I wasn't too pleased with the effort last night, although we got to win. Hmm. You know, we kind of went down with an assist and up in turnovers, which is yeah. not good. But uh, you know, we're trying to work with sharing the ball. And you know, one good thing we haven't had just one feature player you know we have guys who are capable who can stand out and i think you know we have some players who still can you know definitely get better i mean everybody can get better as the season goes so that's been helping us you know you know it's, it's a little easy to defend when you just one or two players you got to key and i don't think it's a situation with us it's just you can't just just key one or two players with us um so that's been a good team effort and we you know i, I try to look at you know, teams uh, to to model. You know, uh, we, it's hard to tell when that's right now. Still kind of early in the um, Division One level, but certainly the professional teams. When you have Golden State and San Antonio, and I try to point out, you know, the unselfishness and sharing the ball, and you know, and then and then having fun at it. You know, enjoying and not having jealousy about anybody being a star. You know, so it's it's tough, but that's what we're trying to to um, uh, preach this year. Um, so that players get um come ready to play and you know um being out of school and on the road is it gets just the motivation factor gets a little tough but we're trying talking with Fazri Ansari the uh, head coach for Buffalo State team off to an eight and two start two and one the Suniac a nice transition coach talking about the squad helps me transition to talking about the squad you have three seniors on this team but they are not necessarily the guys that everyone defensively will be keying on um, to be honest, none of the double-figure guys are seniors, which is great not only for this year, uh, but for next year and beyond. Lovell Smith leads the way, having only played in seven games, though, 16.7 points a game. Nico McLean, um, uh, 15.3 points a game. Michael Henry, 15.3 points a game. Jordan Glover, uh, nearly 12 points a game. Uh, the one senior we finally get to, and I, I just want to say his name, and I hopefully don't screw it up, but it's just a great name, uh, Kevin Marleos, uh, Marleos. Yeah. Um, he's got 8.9 points a game. And of course, the leading rebounder, by the way, back to Henry at nine. But Smith's got seven and a half, six for McLean as well. Again, the senior comes fifth on that list. You've got a lot of youth and a lot of targets who aren't necessarily going to be graduating this year. Yes, and we, we're happy about that. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. We, <laughs> <laughs> Anybody would. <laughs> yeah, well, um, happy about that because I think they can get better that's you know not just because they'll be coming back you know but we uh, you know the upside is still there for them you know especially our inside players we have another um, backup center uh, Leon Moyes he's he'll be back next year also and he's developing and getting better and so we we um, have the help with the seniors in terms of leadership the camaraderie and um, again they they, they they are instrumental, whether they start or come in and off the bench. You know, we still can't make it without their, their leadership this year. So sure. we're very, very happy about that. Um, but, you know, we're taking it now as, you know, we're in the mix. You know, everything that's happened so far, we, you know, it's still very early for us. Um, we're not riding off of anything. Um, yeah. Understanding every night in the SUNYAC is, um, you know, already there's been some surprises. Um, I felt, you know, in terms of people – the wins or some people lost at home, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't expected. So um, it's kind of good to, to let the players who are new and just starting out to really get the message to them that you got to come to play at Suniac every night.
Uh, I think I said earlier that uh, Cortland beat Oswego handily last night, and I think, or the other night, I should say. Uh, I think I misspoke. Um, don't know what game I was looking at uh, for Oswego. I may have been reading the wrong thing. But nonetheless, um, Oswego was, I don't know if you guys did an official pick in the SUNYAC. Um, I couldn't find it at least. Um, but Oswego was certainly a favorite coming in. It is a dog fight already to start the season up there. Cortland's 3-0 as we speak. Plattsburgh's 2-0. Buffalo State, Oswego, and Oneonta, along with Potsdam, all have one loss. You have one more win than the rest. You're 2-1. The rest are 1-1. One one. We always know the Suniac's going to be tough, but I think there's some, maybe your opinion too, there seems to be a few teams that have emerged that I don't think anybody thought would be in play right now. Yeah, if you look at even last year, the team that was struggling, um, yeah. uh, Fredonia just uh, got a win over Geneseo last night. That's who I was saying. And, and um, Potsdam uh, beat New Paltz. You know, so those are, you know, wins I think it's been a while since those teams have um, beat um, those opponents. So, uh, again, I point to my players that every single night, especially when you're on the road, is just very, very tough, you know, conference play. And I think that's true almost at any level. You know, mm-hmm. they have more familiarity with the style of play. The coaches are very good coaches in the conference. Um, they prepare well. And, um, you know, you try to take your advantage. And you have to deal with injuries. You know, Lavelle Smith, we, he was just getting back at the Cortland game. He had pulled a hamstring at the, um, I believe it was the Point Park game. So he had been out for a while. You know, we still got a few injuries. But, you know, everybody has the same challenges, you know, the same so. On any given night, you just hope everybody is healthy, and, and that's what it's going to take to to win a conference championship. You have to have a key, you know, point guard play, hopefully a good post inside play, a go-to player, and and being good health. I mean, with it's hard to win without all those things being in place. So any given night, you know, one team could have advantage of the other. Well, and you talk about the travel, and we know it's difficult in this conference. And this weekend, it may be the most difficult for you. That's without looking at every single weekend for you. You'll start off with Potsdam, and of course Potsdam's about four and a half to five hours away. You got to get all the way over to Syracuse before you shoot north and get and go as about as far north as you can go in New York without crossing into New York State. I guess you could get all the way up to uh, uh, what's the there's a SUNY up there. I'm I'm completely blanking on, but um, Canton. You could always get up to Canton if you wanted to. Actually, you go past Canton to get to Potsdam, Um, and then after that, you got to go to what is it? Uh, Plattsburgh, which is even further east, <laughs> you yeah, gotta go all the way to the all the way uh, north of uh, or well, almost just, north of Burlington, about, Vermont. Yeah, this uh, is a tough trip. Something miles to uh, Montreal. Yeah, you're right. You're actually closer <laughs> yeah. to Montreal, Montreal than you are yeah. Albany. Um, yeah. This is a difficult trip. Um, at least it's earlier in the season versus later in the season, and so far the weather has been cooperative. But how do you get the guys ready for this and then get them prepped for what will be a a brutal back-to-back set of games here? It's it's not easy. Um, (laughs) A lot of movies. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And then, you know, you try to have to plan the the eating time, the shoot-around time, and, you know, you don't want to – under rest, you don't want to over rest. You know, yeah. um, you got to try to get the legs going, moving. So um, it's not, it helps when the weather is. You know, because we we've, we've gone through trips. I remember Plattsburgh snowing. We had one game. I remember a guy uh, late in the game got elbow in the eye, had stitches, so we had to wait in the hospital over an hour, uh, then get on the road to go back. You know, so um, and 
and then Plattsburgh is the further. Sometimes we prefer to have Potsdam in the second game because at least you're a little bit closer driving back. But um, like you said, at least it's early. We can try to get that trip out the way. Um, but everyone has to do it. You know, all the schools sure. have to do it. The only one um, that's probably worse than us is, is uh, Fredonia, yeah. which is uh, a little bit another, almost another hour away going um going west. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, real quick, random question for you, only because I find it funny. Um, when you come back from Plattsburgh, do you guys shoot south through 87? Do you go as far south as Albany, and sh- or do you shoot over further north and kind of come through the Adirondacks, or do you retrace your steps back through Potsdam? We go to 87 and head back through Albany and then take wow. the freeway all the way back up. Yeah. Wow, okay. It's, it's kind of round and about. But yeah. On a, on a, you probably in a car, but in a bus, it's not worth the, uh, the risk in the back roads and stuff. You don't want to take to Route to 8 it. to 365, huh? <laughs> no. The no. funny thing is, if you did, you'd go right past my uh, aunt and uncle's house. I mean, literally, right past <laughs> it on 365. But I know that road, and that's why I asked the question, because in this kind of weather, and that's the other factor for you guys, the weather in upstate and central New York and western New York can change in the drop of a dime just by the wind changing directions. Obviously, that becomes a major factor with a lot of this. What's the craziest weather story with travel that you guys have experienced in your 11 years? Oh, I think it was, uh, I think it was Oneana game. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that was Oneana game. We were we lost at the buzzer and. We had the bus driver, it was snowing, he made a wrong turn, Uh-oh. and it went uh, down to, um, and this is, I mean, we're only literally not even 10 minutes from the campus, <laughs> uh, from Oneonta, and we wind up going into, um, it looked like a, a runoff, like a, for a snow route. Oh. So we're going, and I, you know, everybody's kind of down, it's cold, and, you know, and I'm looking, I say, I don't remember all these woods. <laughs> and so the, the bus gets at this, like a gravel uh, at ice, oh. and then he tries to back up, and something happens. Will was spinning, and then it just shuts down. Oh. So you know, we kind of talk, and we figure, okay, you know, he went the wrong way. We know he's still close to Oneana. Well, he starts getting the phone. He can't get a signal, and I, he's not really saying anything. So I told him, look, I got a signal. So he finally admitted that the bus is shut down. He's gonna have to call. We have to go get another bus. So. We had to call back to Oneana, and then they had to go send. Um, so before that, I go out on the bus, and the guys, nobody wanted to go out with me, but I said, I got to go knock on the door. So I'm going up this back road and knock on the door, and then the uh, the person answered the door. Turned out her dad was a former Buffalo State professor, so she was nice, you know. So so it's taking me a while, and she got these nice, you know, dog laughs. So my um, assistant coaches come out. And looking for me, and then the dogs start running. They scared. I don't know what a dog. They start running. They run into the bus. I mean, it's just. I mean, I'm giving you the abbreviated story of it. So, so we wind up going back to uh, campus. They they sent some um, uh, vans, state vans, and they put us up in the lounge on Oneana. And then for whatever reason, the gym is dark, but they left the scoreboard on with the score. You oh, know? that's yeah, mean. Yeah, oh. <laughs> we don't want. So we, I think it was, uh, it was getting close to NFL uh, playoff time. It was around this time of year, and um, I think we were sitting there watching. So finally, um, 
Uh, we had to wait for a bus to go, and then the bus came from Syracuse somewhere, wow. and then we had to switch another bus in the Binghamton area. So, <sighs> I don't know, it must have been about 3 or 4 in the morning that we got home. But, That's uh, just brutal. And Oneonta's yeah. not easy to get back from to begin with. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more to the story, but that's... <laughs> no, that's fine. I got a gist that that's one you would like not to repeat in the future. No. Uh, no. I, that's the one I can see coaches printing directions for drivers just to make sure they understand they don't want to repeat of yeah. that experience. Before I let you go, though, real quick, I wanted to... Something in your bio that caught my attention was Camp Achieve, um, something that you're certainly apparently well known of known about in Western New York. Uh, what I found interesting is you're kind of mixing basketball in there with the academics, which is very Division Three of that. But can you give us a little bit more of an idea of, of what Camp Achieve really is? Well, it actually started um, when I was coaching high school and I was doing um, AAU. And, you know, we had a lot of talent over the years in, in uh, Western New York, Buffalo area. And I was a little dismayed with some of the players not being prepared to take advantage of scholarship offers. And, you know, not and even those who were admissible, just not understanding what it requires to be, you know, a scholarship athlete or just a student athlete on a collegiate level. So we started the camp and tried to identify, um, um, you know, play because we couldn't take take in as many as we can, although we made it open um, accessibility. But we would try to service any players who were serious about, you know, the high school career and then also playing on going to the collegiate level. So we, you know, we got a lot of colleges and university here, and we got former athletes. So we thought, listen, why not uh, tap into the people who've already have done and been successful in the things that the high school players are, are trying to do. Um, so that's how it started. You know, we we still have a, a version of it. You know, since I've been coaching here full time, I couldn't uh, do it as to the extent I would like to. But the whole idea is to is to talk to athletes who are currently in school, I mean, scholarship level or, or former athletes, and it's also um, life skills, you know, the things you have to – studying and um, um, the, whole, the whole drugs and sex and alcohol, mm. all of those things that becomes pitfall for a lot of players at the collegiate level sure. to try to explain to them those things. So at least it's not the first time they, they, they're hearing it. You sure. know, of course, you know, it's always still a challenge once you get, get away and you got the freedom for the first time. Mm. But, but we at least – you know, try to plant that seed and then, you know, just stay as a resource for them and stay in contact with them. And then, you know, when the guys go away, they come back in the, the summertime and then we, you know, we still try to sort of work with them that way. Very good. That's a, that's a great thing to be involved with. Uh, I certainly applaud your efforts and applaud your efforts with the season so far. Eight and two overall, uh, two and one in conference play. Obviously the biggest and hardest road trip ahead of you here this weekend. But like I said, it's probably nice to get it out of the way. Uh, yeah. now than it would be later in the season. Uh, as always, though, Coach, we give the final word to you, the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, uh, I guess it's still early enough to say Happy New Year's to everyone. Yeah, uh, yeah wish them a prosperous and healthy uh, year. And um, um, hope your best teams win, and Buffalo stays included in that uh, <laughs> wish. And um, we, we're happy. You know, we always enjoy the com- camaraderie and um the coaches and the players, you know, it's really, it's really more about life lessons than anything else. You know, everybody says, you know, winning is not everything, but that's, you know, everybody wants to win. I mean, that sounds good, but everybody yeah. wants to win for Agreed. sure. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, with that said, you know, I think the relationship is try to keep them ongoing and um, 
you know, people can look back and uh, this is some of the best times of their, of their life. Uh, well said, Coach. Uh, congratulations on the start. Happy New Year to yourself as well. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll certainly be keeping on a, an eye on the SUNYAC. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on the on the Bengals the rest of the way, and good luck. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Fajri Ansari joining us here on Hoopsville via the hotline. Again, team is 8-2 and two overall, 2-1 and one in conference play. Of course, one of those losses, Point Park, not in Division Three. So when we talk about the uh, NCAA record per se, it's actually 8-1. and one. Or I should say seven and one. Cortland State's their only loss in a crazy Suniac. I promise you, we'll be talking to plenty of Suniac coaches the rest of the season. When we come back, we'll uh, go a little bit further west, talk, head into the Great Lakes region, talk about another team on top of their conference that maybe wasn't on everybody's radar. The Hiram Terriers. They've beaten Ohio Wesleyan. They're on top of the NCAC. Uh, at least when we talk to them, we'll see what happens, results in between. But on top of the NCAC by a win. We'll talk to their second-year head coach coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and NABC studios. More Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Had plenty of guests so far, plenty to talk about. If you'd like to interact with us, you can always do it via Twitter, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Coming to you from the WBCA and NABC Studios. I want to thank those two partners for jumping on board with Hoopsville yet again for the NABC and for the first time for the WBCA. Um, we're going to keep talking men's basketball, sliding west from Buffalo. Not too far west from Buffalo, but we're heading west from Buffalo. Um, and we're going back to the Skype. We always like the Skype here on Hoopsville. We're going to talk about a team that um, not exactly was on everybody's radar at the beginning of the season, especially in their own darn conference. Uh, if you've looked at the NCAC rankings, you'll see a few teams up there that you certainly expected to see. Uh, one of them would be Ohio Wesleyan. Wittenberg's recovered nicely this year. Worcester's having a non-Worcester year, but still playing pretty darn well. Did you notice the team at the top? It's Hiram. They're 4-1 and one with a win over Ohio Wesleyan. How dare they? Well, that gets you on Hoopsville, though. The Terriers uh, certainly deserve the attention. And I know they're getting the attention in the top 25 polls, so you know what? We better go to the Skype 
and had talked to their head coach second year on this on uh, as head coach, fifth year of the program. Chris Kibler joins us on Hoopsville. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Again, how dare you be on top of the uh, NCAC? Uh, you and I were talking pre-show, pre, uh, as it were, pre-taping. Uh, you told me the conference lo- lovingly, lovingly picked you 10th out of, I believe it's 10. Um, that must have gone over well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't too surprising for me. I mean, uh, uh, I, I kind of figured we might get ninth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 10th wasn't too uh, surprising, but, uh, you know, for the players, obviously gave them a little bit of motivation, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, just a little bit. But let's be honest. You guys, I don't think we're expecting, uh, as we head into the the real meat of the schedule, and especially the conference, to be 4-1 and one, sitting on top of the conference by a half game by the win column, have a win over Ohio Wesleyan under your belt, uh, having beaten DePaul, beaten Wabash, uh, beaten Kenyon and Allegheny, or sorry, you lost Allegheny. We'll get back to that. I, I, I think the loss Allegheny was probably more expected than what you've done with the wins. Correct. Yeah, that would, that, that would, uh, you know, Ohio Wesleyan was a special game. Uh, to be honest with you, though, we really did feel like we'd have a shot to win that game. Now, did we go into it thinking we were going to? Absolutely not. They're, <laughs> they're really good. Yeah. Uh, I've told a lot of people they're fun to watch. They're not real fun to prepare for. Um, but if, if you go back last year, we went down to their place, and they had lost to Trine mm-hmm. after being 8-0. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was kind of disappointed because I thought, well, there was our opportunity. Yeah. Trine just woke up a sleeping giant. Uh, this year, you know, that didn't happen. They were 8-0, and I thought, well – we're going to have our opportunity if we can play really hard and catch them on the right day and we can shoot the ball well, we'll, we'll have a chance. And uh, it just played out that way. And, you know, they had a shot at the buzzer to win it. And um, luckily it didn't go in. We had a couple of buzzer beaters that went against us last year. And so that would have been devastating to have another one this early in the yeah, season. Yeah. Uh, but definitely an exciting, great win for our program. In some ways, very even uh, in that game. Rebounding was even. Assists were even. Turnovers relatively even. You had a few more than they did. No big deal. Points off turnovers was even. Second chance points even. Points in the paint, you guys outscored them by eight. Uh, fast point, uh, fast break even. Bench points, you had more than ten. But I think the big one was they shot a little bit more poorly than you guys did. But, man, you guys left a few points on the free throw line, too. So, statistically, you, you weigh all those things out. The score is not that surprising. Two-point victory. The problem is the cat's out of the bag. You you win yes. that game, and so now everyone's like, okay, maybe Hiram's for real. The difference is you kept that momentum going. Now, granted, Ohio Wesleyan was the last conference game that you played. You played three. You lost to Allegheny. And you played a couple of non-conference games. But you go in and you beat Wabash by 16. You go beat the uh, – now, granted, depleted DePaul squad from last year, but we know Bill Fenlon's well, got a well-coached squad there. You beat them by 31. Yeah, you know, both those programs, uh, there's been a, a high turnover for Wabash. And yeah. DePaul kind of reminds me of Wittenberg from last year. A lot of talented players, but in new roles. Hmm. And so I, I feel like it's going to take them that first time through the conference to kind of adjust and know what their role is and how to play together. Uh, but there's certainly some still a lot of talent on that roster. And obviously Coach Fenland's a great Hall of Fame coach. Um so I would certainly anticipate the next time through the conference that uh, they'll start to come together. Very similar to what happened, I think, last year with Wittenberg. Had graduated a lot of kids the year before. 
still had a lot of talent coming back, but you know, the chemistry of playing together and figuring that out took them till the second half of the season. And, you know, people look at Wittenberg's overall record last year, which is maybe down for them. Um, they certainly had a good team. It just, it, it took them half a season to, to get it going. Um, before I will talk more about the conference, but you you are playing Bill Fenlon, the fame the man who's famous for the three v two rule. You know, if you're down three or down, or uh, you're winning by three, do you foul to keep him from getting a three at a certain point in the game? I'm curious. Do you dare even ask him in game? Nine seconds left. Yell down the sideline, Coach. What would you do? Is this the time I should? Do you dare do that with him? <laughs> no, I I don't dare do that. <laughs> uh, but you know, our conference, we've got five of these guys. Yeah conference with Bill Brown, Steve, Steve Moore, Mike DeWitt, Bill Fenlon, Bob Jeloni. Those guys are yeah. all Hall of Fame coaches. And when they talk, they're kind of like E.F. Hutton. Everybody listens. Whether that's our <laughs> coaches' meetings or even on the sidelines. Sometimes they're yelling at those guys. And I'm listening to them, and I'm turning around like, maybe I need to be saying that to my guys. <laughs> I was going to say, do you go down to their huddle and listen to half the timeout, then come I'd back like up? <laughs> yeah, like that's what. That's when you don't want the 30-second timeout. There's not enough time to do all of that. That's right. Uh, this conference is crazy this year. Uh, obviously, Ohio Wesleyan was the favorite coming in. Everybody knew Worcester was going to lose some and, and not fall back to the pack necessarily, but they've certainly fallen back to the pack. They're not playing Scott's basketball that everybody's familiar with. Um, Wittenberg has finally recovered after a, a bit of a tough start last year. They woke up in the second half and are certainly playing well now. Uh, we talked about DePaul kind of being off their game a little bit, uh, but Denison's in the mix. Uh, Oberlin's in the mix. Uh, Wabash certainly is having a weird year, 7-5 and five overall, but 1-4 and four in conference. This, I mean, listen, the Great Lakes has got a couple of fascinating races, the MIAA, the OAC, but the NCAC is... I mean, I think at first, as I get longer with this darn question, um, at first everyone thought it was going to be Ohio Wesley and then a battle for everything else. Now it just seems like it's going to be a battle period for the top four or five spots. Well, Ohio Wesleyan, I think, is still our flagship program this year. And, uh, you know, Worcester's probably next with the standpoint they still got some fantastic players and they've added an incredible freshman class that's hmm. getting a lot of minutes this year yeah. and that that doesn't traditionally happen at Worcester usually no. they get fantastic freshmen but they still got to wait their turn yes <laughs> you know, I had a coach tell me this year that you know they felt like they had one of their best recruiting classes in 25 years and if that plays itself out to be true mm. it wouldn't surprise me uh, that it is a good freshman class you know it, it might be a year in Worcester terms that it's down because right. By their and six, right? By their standards, yes. By their standards, <laughs> yes. But I, I still think they're probably the second team in our conference. And then after that, I do think that there's some races with maybe Wittenberg being that third team. That's who we play on Saturday, so you know we get a little clearer picture come mm. Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure Wittenberg will be uh, well prepared for us as they always are. And sure. Last year was the first time we had swept them in school history, and yeah. You know, we got the game got pushed back to a Sunday. And oh, we I go down that. there and basically win the game with four seconds to go. Uh, just a strange ending to a game. And that, you know, knocked them out of hosting that first round game. They had to go to, to DePaul, who went on to win the conference championship and then went to the national tournament and beat yeah. the number two team in the country on the road. And so it's a tough conference. But uh, yeah, the picture will get a little bit clearer as we start to, and you know, we're not even one, one round through the conference play. And if you look at our schedule, you know, we're going to Wittenberg, to Worcester, to Oberlin, and then we'll host Denison, our next four. So 
outside of the Ohio Wesleyan loss, um, we're probably playing the top half of the conference as we go through these next yeah. four. Yeah. Um, so there's still a lot to be determined and where we fall and all that is still largely to be considered as well. Uh, just because some fans might be going second team, just, just to correct DePaul beat Wash U, who I can understand maybe second, they were 14th. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they beat Wash U in the first round and then they got the honor of going to play Augustana, who is sixth, who That's- ended up finishing second. Right. Uh, in the country, and they had a great game there. I just want to do that because I know there's somebody listening yeah. and going, wait a minute. That guy, what's he doing? <laughs> what's he talking about? Um, obviously, this is your second-year head coach. Took over for uh, Coach Fleming, uh, Steve Fleming, a couple seasons ago. You were an assistant under him for three years prior to that. It's not like you're not familiar with this conference. You didn't play in it. You played at Baldwin-Wallace over in the OAC, but you know this conference. You know this region. Does this this, does this job kind of feel comfortable in that sense, despite playing in that that other Ohio conference? Yeah. Well, I wasn't really even a player at Baldwin Wallace. Um, <laughs> well, that's okay. I was just but, trying to uh, give you a better better yeah, resume. The the <laughs> yeah, I'm very familiar with the conference. You know, uh, I was Steve Bankson's assistant for eight years in the OAC. I grew up in New Concord, watching Muskingum basketball under Jim Burson, hmm. um, and then you know, to come over to the North Coast Athletic Conference under Steve Fleming. Um, you know, I, I've been blessed to have been a part of great programs. I was assistant at Gannon University Division II up in Erie. We were nationally ranked. Um, so I've recruited Northeast Ohio and all of Ohio for 22 years. It took me 19, I joke all the time, it took me 19 years to get the first opportunity to be a head coach. <laughs> um, and I'm certainly enjoying it now. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the conference – you know, the OAC always kind of had the bragging rights of being a better conference top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And the North Coast was top heavy. You had yeah. your Wittenbergs, OU, and Worcester, obviously. And then there'd be their fourth team. And then after that, there was a drop off. And yeah. I think in the last four or five years, with a little bit of alignment shift in our conference, yeah. some the quality of coaches that have come into the conference. Again, I, you know, I, I, we've got five of them that I'm sure are Hall of Famers. And then you've got some maybe a little bit younger bucks that are trying to emulate or get to that level. Uh, and so the conference has just gotten really top bottom. Again, we're picked 10th. And while we currently sit in first, you know, the win over Ohio Wesleyan shows, hey, on any given night in the North Coast Athletic Conference, anybody can beat anybody. No, that's absolutely the case. And you guys have already certainly proven that. Gone a long way here. We haven't even talked about your team. Let's let's talk about them just a little bit. Got a handful of seniors on this squad, but certainly a young team. Um, actually, you have one. There are two seniors on this team, but one of them. Uh, well, you know what? I think I've got. Well, who knows? We'll just go through what I'm reading anyway. Okay. Uh, you're led by a senior in JJ Woodson. Uh, yeah. Eighteen and a half points a game. Um, uh, pulling down five rebounds a game as well. Handing a kiss. Nearly three steals a game, nearly two assists a game. Obviously, he's the, the the catalyst and the key. But you also have a sophomore, Paul Ortiz, 13 points a game nearly. Uh, you have Kelvin Jones, a sophomore, nearly 10 points a game, ten nearly 10 rebounds a game. He's literally a smidge under a double-double in both categories. Trey Sanders, also a sophomore, 6.3 points a game. Six points a game from Kyle Deckard, a junior, though he's injured. I apologize for mentioning Kyle. Sorry, Kyle. Looking forward to seeing you back uh, when you get there. Jeremiah Thomas is who I wanted to mention, junior, at 5.6 points a game. So what I'm at, what I'm basically going around and around and around on is J.J. Woodson's your senior. He's your all-everything guy. And then you've got a tongue underclassman here 
who are learning a lot this season, that's got to bode well. It is. And, uh, you know, actually, I'm driving my SID crazy here because we started the season off. We went down and played Akron and, uh, <laughs> you know, dummy me. I didn't realize we could play that as an exhibition game and still keep the game that we had. Yeah. That's another Division Three. If I'd have known that, we'd have done that. But Welcome yeah. to coaching. Yeah. <laughs> we, we lose that game 100 to 30, and people are wondering, well, you went in, you tried to press them, and uh, 28 <laughs> seconds to go, and, and we're fouling when they got the ball down 98 to 30 and people were wondering what is, what's this guy doing? Uh, we had a goal. We won 90 possessions in that game. And, and by fouling, we got one more offensive possession and we reached our goal. And there you go. You know, that's what those, those games are for. That's right. The kids enjoy it. It was fun and so forth, but I got my SID here running around doing uh, our overall stats, but then our division three stats. So we take, Oh, that he loves you. You know, J.J.'s averaging 20, and Paul oh. averaging 14, and Kelvin Jones is averaging <laughs> 11. And so I, and I'm loving it because other teams are looking at our stats, and they're a little bit lower than what yeah. they really are because that Akron game, obviously, we didn't play very well. Not that it would make much of a difference. They, two days later, they went down to Arkansas and laid it on them as well. Yeah. Well, your SID's pleased. Yeah. Um, I'm quite sure if I reached out to him, he'd say the same. Um but, I mean, that is something that, – that's a valid point. I mean, obviously, that game could have been an exhibition. Uh, that's something that changed last year or, or heading into this year, I should say. Um, but outside of that game, you've got a lot of weapons here that I don't think I – mean, a lot of them are sophomores, and they, maybe that's the key here. You guys were picked finished 10th because you had a bunch of talent that's going to be a sophomore. A lot of It's hard to read a sophomore. They're either going to come out of their freshman year if they had a good freshman year and either be really good or get that sophomore slump clearly not getting that sophomore slump here. Yeah, there's no doubt that the improvements of, I think, Trey Sanders is our backup point guard, mm. playing with a lot of confidence. He's got a lot of moxie. And then our junior, Joe Caspio, um, you know, he's coming in and provided, providing a highlight film uh, behind Kelvin, who's going to be really special uh, himself. And it's, it's hard for Joe because he's a true center, and it's hard to get minutes behind a kid as good as Kelvin. Uh, the Wabash game was the first time we could play both of them together, and he's not out there a minute, and he's got two dunks, and you know, place is going crazy for him, and he's just such an unselfish kid. And that's really, you know, a lot of these kids. J.T. Thomas, you, you've mentioned, went from being a starter, undersized at the four, to move back out to where he belongs at the three, playing a, a just a few minutes less, but his average is down. That kid just, you know, he's a winner. He just wants to be a part of a winner. He's a team guy. A um, lot of unselfishness on this team for sure. Let's talk about the down-the-road part, which you hinted at. Uh, you've got a very interesting schedule the rest of the way. First off, you do kind of enter the fray here, as it were. Uh, you're at Wittenberg on Saturday. You're at Worcester next week. You're at Oberlin the following Saturday. Then you're home for three, Denison, Kenyon, Allegheny. Then you're on the road for three, Ohio Wesleyan, Wabash, DePaul. Then you're home for two, Worcester, Oberlin. On the road for Denison, at home for Wittenberg. I'm used to seeing some crazy schedules out of conferences that have to do a lot of travel. I've never, I can't remember a time I've seen a conference like yourself where you're set up to go three road, three home, two road. Yeah, and just that sequence, that's, that, that can be really good because you'll get into a groove. It can also throw you off completely when you get out of that groove. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, I mean, the we're heading into the grind for sure with these road games. 
but we by by design we've only had nine we're only going to have nine home games this year yeah uh, i really like my sophomore class and i just said hey let's make these guys road warriors let's get them prepared for uh as they move into their junior senior year and so with only nine home games obviously we got <laughs> 16 on the road and i think our guys are starting to relish the opportunity to play on the road and that's exactly what we wanted to get out of that well, you are heading to the, into the Lions Den with Wittenberg and Worcester, obviously, in the next two. Certainly key games if you want to stay on top because they're right behind you uh, in the conference. So what are you telling the team? Is this a – obviously, I'm going to hear the coach speak. It's a game-by-game scenario. But at the same time, you got to prep them for two very tough and potentially three because Oberlin's not going to be exactly easy on the road either. Games that are going to have a big say with what the rest of this conference race is going to be like. So what is the message to the squad, both in the locker room and, well, now, because they're probably going to listen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I hope they listen. Uh, <laughs> that's always a challenge. With this team, they're competitors. And so spending a lot of time to find ways to challenge them. Um, you know, told them after the wins against Wabash and DePaul, said, hey, that's great, um, but this isn't Wittenberg. Uh, Worcester and even Oberlin, you know, those two programs, while still very good, are playing a lot of young guys. Wittenberg, Oberlin, and Worcester. Uh, Worcester's just Worcester, no matter if they're young or not. Yeah. But with uh, Oberlin and Wittenberg, they got a lot of returning guys. And so they got to understand now with the, uh, like you had mentioned, the, uh, we're not, we got to stay the hunter and we got to keep going after teams. And, and I think our guys very well understand. Uh, they had had Wabash Circle because we had a double overtime loss at their place. Yeah. And then we had a three-quarter shot loss here against <laughs> them. And so, you know, they were really had that game circled on the calendar. And, and our guys understand Wittenberg has that same feeling for us, beating them yeah. twice last year. And so that's the challenge is, okay, can you go on the road when everybody now is not going to be – you know, you're not unknown. Everybody's sure. very aware of what we've done to this point, and obviously they've got a little bit of a revenge factor. And so I, I anticipate it to be a, a hard-fought game, but at the same time we're telling them, hey, we're making no excuses. Let's go see what we're made of, and, and we'll go from there. It's not an end-off. We win, that's great. doesn't mean a whole lot, and if we lose, it doesn't mean a whole lot because there's just so much left of the season still to be determined. Uh, it'd be a great win. It'd be a tough loss, but uh, wouldn't be a disappointing loss because, again, it's on the road, and uh, it's that time of year we always talk to the guys about, hey, this is where this is where a lot of teams hit the wall. And sure. good teams find a way to bust through that wall and, and keep performing, keep showing up to practice to get better every day. Well, and like we said, you were picked to finish 10th. While you probably didn't agree with the 10th spot, it's not like you were picked to finish in the top four, so you're already playing with house money at this point. Yeah, I feel that way. The players don't. Oh, of course not. No, no. That's 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 for the coach speak. That's for the right. uh, that's for the analysts like myself to say. Not for the players. Players want to disagree with that wholeheartedly, and I get that. Hey, coach, I really appreciate you coming on the show, especially via Skype. It's always fun to see a coach uh, when we're chatting with them. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I just you know I'll say to you guys, I you, what you guys do is nothing short of spectacular for D three basketball. Uh, I'm kind of in some ways jealous and envious of you guys. You guys get to watch these games and these players. <laughs> and so many good players and good teams and good coaches. And 
I always say all the time that uh, Herb Street has the job I'd like to have if yeah. I could have a job in the country. Sure. Next to that, it might be what you guys do at the Division <laughs> Three level. It's you get to do all this, and then you don't have to face the pressure of losing or or the pressure to try to win <laughs> games, championships. So I just want to thank you guys for what you guys do, and I hope people continue to support Division Three basketball. Obviously, I don't think a lot of people understand how good. Uh, the level of basketball is not only in the North Coast Athletic Conference, but across the country at the Division Three level. I agree with you, certainly on that last part, but I have 415 schools to try and keep track of. Yeah. Trust me, it's not easy. <laughs> Remember this Hiram squad? Didn't see it coming. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the season, especially the upcoming games. Look forward to watching the Terriers the rest of the way and seeing how this race shapes up. And Take care and stay stay safe on the roads as well. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. Happy New Year. You too. Chris Gibbler joining us here from uh, Hiram. Again, 10-2 and two start, 4-1. and one. Notice a lot of the conversation there about the youth of this conference. Worcester's young. Wittenberg's young. Hiram is young. Denison. Uh, DePaul. I mean, you start going through these schools. Ohio Wesleyan's the only one with a lot of senior leadership. This is going to be fun to watch, not only this year, but the next few years. When we come back, we'll wrap up Hoopsville here on this special Thursday show since it's not live, and we hope you're enjoying it. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and NABC studios. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying the show. want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in. Obviously, this taped version of the show is, once again, I'm... At my responsibilities, 20 years of public address announcer at Goucher College. Um, I wanted to be there for the game, especially against Catholic. Um, and so we find ways to sometimes put these shows together ahead of time. So if you have missed any topics tonight, I, I greatly apologize for that. Uh, but we'll be back on the air Sunday live at 7 o'clock and do our best to catch up. Uh, one thing we teased at the beginning of the show in our rather long first block um, was that Pat Coleman was at Elmhurst where he got a couple of interviews for us. One of them, he inter- Pat Coleman interviewed Pat Coleman. Seems a little confusing. Well, that's because Elmer's has a point guard named Pat Coleman. So Pat Coleman, while at Elmer's, decided you better interview Pat Coleman. Here he is. Back on Hoopsville, and I couldn't come to Elmhurst without talking to Pat Coleman. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Pat Coleman, and he's Pat Coleman. So for the past uh, four years, you've been uh, making a name for yourself here at Elmhurst. You can probably tell no relation, but, uh, you know, Tell us a little bit about this game. You guys defeat uh, Augustana 77-75. First of all, uh, you came out with a little bit of a flurry right away early in the game. 
Well, I just really wanted to get it going. You know, this was a big game. We've been looking forward to it all week. And this is always a fun game to play in. Every year I've been here, it's always been a great game. So you just look forward to coming in here and playing as hard as you can, coming out with the win. Uh, fantastic finish to regulation, uh, a really solid overtime. But I, I thought the uh, one of the highlights tonight was the fact that uh, your fans uh, stormed the court twice. What's it like having that kind of uh, student population support behind you? Those guys are great. Um, we support them a lot. That was the, really all the football team. So we're at their games, doing the same thing for them. So it's good that they come out and help us out. They really got us through this game. They helped us out a lot. Overtime, a bit of a nail-biter, and of course the way regulation ended, which I'm, I, I know we've talked about on the show already, so I won't rehash it. But um, you know, take us through uh, overtime a little bit. It's a, kind of a nail-biter back and forth. It, yeah, I don't think you guys even scored in the final uh, two and a half minutes there. Well, we knew they were coming at us. Um, they had the chance after the, they called the shot off to go into overtime and win the game. So we knew they were going to give us their best shot, just like we gave them our best shot. So we just tried to defend as best as we could, and I think we did, and we came out with the win. What, what did Coach Bain say to you guys uh, after the regulation? Because that had to be you know, something that's kind of toying with your emotions a little bit. We got five more minutes. Play as hard as you can. Don't forget the game plan. Yep. So early on in this season for you guys, right? But uh, off to a 12-1 start. I guess this is pretty much the, officially the halfway point of the regular season, but you guys have a lot of conference games left. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just going to try to get out here and play as hard as we can, just like we did tonight. Don't take anyone, no nights off, take anyone for advantage. So we're going to try to keep this up the rest of the season and see where we land at the conference tournament. All right, he's Pat Coleman, so am I, here at Elmhurst, where the uh, fifth-ranked Blue Jays defeated the number one Vikings by the score of 77-75 in overtime. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. Kind of fun. Obviously not related, <laughs> unless there's something crazy. Pat Coleman's not related to Pat Coleman, but it is nice to see Pat Coleman and Pat Coleman side by side. I want to thank Pat for his work out there at Elmer's to get us uh, content for tonight after the big game against number one V number five. Uh, appreciate his hard work uh, through and through. It's also nice to have Pat now fully in board, on board with basketball, is it not? Usually the Vegas Classic is the uh, first point where we get to see Pat fully involved. Gordon and I go, oh, Pat's back from football. Of course, he and Gordon and I are dabbling in football as well, but Pat now fully on board with hoops, and we're glad to have him back on the staff, as it were. Not that he left, it's just a way of saying things. Um, top 25 is something we did not really dive into uh, at the beginning of the show. Obviously talked about uh, uh, the, the Elmhurst uh, win, but I wanted to talk about the top 25s in general. Real quick, um, nothing major has happened this week. We do have some uh, you know, conversations to be had as voters. On the women's side, Thomas Moore, uh, unanimous number one. But, uh, by the way, I don't remember the last time Thomas Moore was unanimous number one along with Augustana, both uh, unanimous. Obviously, that will change for Augustana coming up. But I don't remember the last time we've had unanimous number ones midway through a season. It's probably happened. I just don't remember it. It's not something that's triggered in my mind. We obviously get it at the end of seasons when championships have been held, um, but it's very rare to get them mid-season with all the results. Uh, not that uncommon on the women's side, more uncommon on the men's side. But to have them simultaneously is, is I believe, very rare. I'm sure some of the top 25 uh, gurus out there who track all this stuff uh, will be able to get back to me on that. I've even thought about tracking it myself, but I haven't had the time yet. Uh, can get back to me, but uh, congratulations to both programs, and for Thomas Moore, they continue to win. Beat Bethany 118-66 this week. Uh, they'll take on a tougher Washington and Jefferson squad coming up later in the week. We don't have any losses from any of the uh, of the top 25 until you get down to number 13. Um, some teams haven't played, but uh, Oshkosh will take on, uh, lost to River Falls, I should say, earlier this week. Albright lost to Amherst. That's not a surprise. Amherst was number two, so Albright probably shouldn't shouldn't fall in the polls too much for a loss like that, even though it was by 15. And then Montclair lost to Rowan. 
Uh, now, Rowan's certainly getting some top 25 attention. Montclair, though, is, is, has been a very good team in that conference. And a little surprised to see him lose at this point in the season. More surprising, though, is they lost by 28. 28, 78-50. Uh, that is fascinating, to say the least. The only other loss on the women's side, DePaul, in the receiving votes category, uh, lost to Denison um, by 9. So DePaul got, dropping to 10 and 4. On the men's side of things, a little bit busier. Obviously, we talked about Augustana losing to Elmhurst. We're going to have to go all the way down to number 19 before you find the next loss. That is uh, Eau Claire losing to Stevens Point. I mean, I'm sorry, Stevens Point losing to Eau Claire. 59-63 by 16 points. Stevens Point most likely out of the top 25 after that. They do have a big game against Whitewater, who's ranked number 15 right now, coming up. That'll certainly uh, maybe save them. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised Whitewater's at 15 at 10-2. and two. They haven't played anybody necessarily. Um, I'm also surprised Stevens Point entering the week at 7-4 and four was still in. A lot of love for the defending champs, but even the defending champs will tell you they're not the same. They're now down to 7-5. and five. Oswego State uh, entered the week 8-1. and one. They played one game, and they got thumped. Thumped, 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 thumped by 38. Oyana State beat them 90-52 to 52 at Oyana State. I know it's not the easiest travel trip, but if the weather hasn't been that bad, um, obviously, we talked about coming out of Oyana State there with Buffalo State's uh, Fajri Ansari. But 38 points, not good for Oswego. They'll come out of the top 25 with that result, but that Suniac race is just crazy. Trine lost to Calvin. Now, remember, I said it in Vegas. I said it after Vegas. I've said it recently. Calvin is better than their record. So the loss to Trine isn't a bad loss for Trine. Um, but for Calvin, it's certainly showing that they're going to stay in the mix. Um Trine, on the other hand, uh, I think is a very, very good team. I think that's a four-horse race in the MIIA, believe it. I think it's going to be Hope, Trine, and Alma with Calvin playing spoiler in that top four. I think Calvin's going to be in the mix. Um, and again, I don't think Hope comes out of the top 25 or comes out of the, <laughs> the conference play undefeated. Whitman lost to Whitworth. Uh, Whitworth obviously being the number two there. Uh, good result for Whitman, but they can't seem to get over the uh, – the, um, chokehold that Whitworth has on that conference receiving votes category Trinity lost yet again this time to Plattsburgh State William Patterson lost again to Kane they're seven and five now I'm not sure who's still voting for William Patterson the craziness that's happened there Stockton lost to New Jersey City hint hint we may have our guest for Sunday New Jersey City uh, Eastern Nazarene lost I believe their second in a row this time to Salve Regina that's just disappointing if you're Eastern Nazarene and whoever's voting for him yeah I understand the loss to WPI you know that's a tough team WPI nationally ranked but you should be beating Salve Regina. You really should be beating Salve Regina, especially for an Eastern Nazarene squad that's got that many seniors on it who understand you got to be ready for all the games. Or I thought they understood that. Surprising result there. Southern Vermont having a not a rough season, but certainly below expectations. Already taken up their third loss with a loss to Middlebury by 18 points. They fall to 8-3. and three. I don't think that's a season Southern Vermont expected. Granted, Part of that is the Hoopsville Classic, but part of that was because we wanted them and they wanted the schedule at the Hoopsville Classic. And then Geneseo lost to Fredonia State to add into that Suniac craziness um, down there uh, as well. So that's your top 25 look uh, per se. Should mention at the beginning of the show, and I forgot to, but I think you may have sensed it throughout the show. We are now finally in, back into our regional set, as it were, on this show. Beginning of the year, hard to do that when there's so much to talk about. But and, and that we're not consistently on a Thursday or a Sunday um, simultaneously in the same week. As a result, now that we are, we are we're now kind of into gear on Thursdays. You can expect us to talk to uh, an East, a Mid-Atlantic, 
Great Lakes and West team, along potentially with South teams, when we can't do the travel and, and game schedules, get them onto a Sunday show. So you will hear that. You'll also get the, in the future, starting next week, the NABC Coaches Corner. On Sundays, you will hear from the Northeast, the Atlantic, the the um, Central, and the South. That's where we tend to have our South team. You'll also get a chance now, starting this week, with the new WBCA uh, partnership. You'll hear from the WBCA center court. Where we'll shine a light on a coach in the WBCA ranks. Um, so that's our breakdown for Thursdays and Sundays from now on. Yes, we will talk about other topics on every show, but our guests primarily will come for those specific regions on those specific days. That way we are able to cover all the regions and try and do it in as fair a manner as possible. We will. It allows us to be as diverse as we can with our guests and not get stuck talking about the same teams in the same regions every single show. Uh, this allows us to talk about as many of the 430 schools or 845 programs that exist in Division Three uh, on 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 such a simple show. So uh, get. Uh, used to that now. So Sunday we will be talking uh, north. You can expect our guests to be from the northeast, the Atlantic, the south, and the central region. Now the NABC Coaches Corner and the WBCA Center Court don't stick to that policy. We will get those coaches from wherever we feel it is necessary, um, but just gives you an idea of how our scheduling goes. Of course, you can always follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us at Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville where you can follow along and find out who our guests are when we find out, etc., etc. That's going to do it for us. Long show, we realize. Uh, I want to thank everybody for their help and their support with it. Of course, our guests, Muhlenberg's Ron Roan, Cal Lutheran's Lindsey Goldblatt, uh, Buffalo State's Fazri Ansari, and Hiram's Chris Kibler. And I want to thank their sports information departments as well. All of them were tremendous in helping us get our guests lined up via, via Skype from Muhlenberg and Hiram. Uh, and just lined up in general, especially on the West Coast, coming out of Kalu. The timing can be a little bit tough sometimes. I want to thank everybody for their help in helping us put this show Together. Also, again, thanks to Pat Coleman uh, for his work out at Elmer's to send us back some uh, uh, interviews that we could use here on the show covering the big game that it was on Wednesday. Number one V number five. Um, we will be returning live on Sunday at seven o'clock. A reminder, next Thursday show will once again be pre-taped as we will be out at the D at the uh, NCA convention in San Antonio and, and cat getting in some D three basketball games while we are out there. Uh, then we will be back on the air Sunday, having returned from Texas that day with a bit of a Texas-heavy show, a little bit of an NCA-heavy show, depending on interviews that we get out there. But we'll also try and sprinkle in some other interviews while we are at it, including the WBCA Center Court. That's going to do it for us. If we've missed something, I apologize. Obviously, being a pre-taped show and trying to get this on the air for you, we aren't going to hit everything, but we hope you enjoyed the show nonetheless. You have been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. I want to once again thank the WBCA and NABC for their tremendous support of this show and what we do to try and shine a light on Division Three basketball. We, we appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts, and it allows us to do things like head to Texas to see basketball games, something we just simply could not do on our own. And for both organizations, I want to thank you very, very much. Don't forget, again, interact with us or follow the show on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And you can always email us if you want to interact or have questions or whatever 
at, uh, it, the email address is hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Again, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's going to do it. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Hope you uh, enjoy the rest of the week of basketball. We'll be back here Sunday night, talk it all over, and see who we think will be the number one team on the men's side. I may have changed my mind from what I said at the beginning of this show. You just never know. You've been listening to Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and good night.